Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily coming to you live from the D Hotel in Las Vegas at Bar Canada alongside the Circus Sportsbook. Uh, great show tonight, or this afternoon, I should say, even earlier here in Vegas. Uh, time. Time not a, a strength right now. Still trying to figure out what time it's here as opposed to in Winnipeg. Good news is Lock Shop's in the can. Check that out. Just finished that with Dustin Nielsen a little earlier. You can check that out on our Twitter feeds. Although if you do listen to the podcast, wherever you're getting this podcast, do us a favor. Look up the Lock Shop and uh, give us a sub. And if you're on Twitter as well, we're giving away a hoodie. We get up to 1,000 followers on Twitter at Lock Shop Bets. But right now, it's all about Winnipeg Sports Talk. And a lot of Winnipeg hockey talk coming up today. Brian Munns, voice of the ice, our good friend, is in PA as the ice look to try to take a 3-0 series lead this evening against the Raiders. Munns is going to join us from PA coming up in about 20 minutes. We'll have our daily Jets chat with Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press after practice today as the team gets ready for game number 80 of 82 tomorrow night against the Philadelphia Flyers. One of the one of the few teams in the league that could maybe challenge the Jets for as disappointing a season as they have had. Um, then, of course, finishing it up with Calgary on Friday and then that postponed game from last week, the Seattle Kraken on Sunday afternoon, part of a big fan appreciation weekend for the Winnipeg Jets. And then, considering I'm here in Vegas, but in addition to it, the biggest game tonight in the National Hockey League is the Dallas Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights. Dallas can eliminate Vegas with a regulation win. I'm going to find out what the hell is going on with this hockey team. And you know, Gary and Shane busy getting ready for the uh, broadcast tonight, but we will have Ken Bulky of Sinbin Vegas join us, talk about the Robin Lehner saga that has been happening over the last few days, as well as um, really a potential last stand for the Vegas Golden Knights coming up um, the uh, this evening. Um, busy, busy slate of games in the National Hockey League. We'll get to all of those as well. Um, and we'll do that with Michael Remus coming up in just a second. Of course, um, this show does not happen without the great support we get from our amazing team of sponsors. A big thank you to Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, not Auto Corp, Breezy Bend Country Club, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, Cool Bet Canada, our betting partner. So uh, let's get to it. A couple of interesting comments coming out of the uh, media sessions of Jets practice today and a Cole Perfetti sighting, albeit in a yellow non-contact jersey. Let's get Michael Remus in here to get this Tuesday afternoon going. Remo, what's up? How are you doing, man? Us uh, feeling good. Uh, enjoying our lovely time here. In Vegas, great, uh, great night for being in Vegas for uh, some sports betting. Has a, I think there were like 13 games on the schedule. I'm in my fantasy uh, final, so I'm excited about that. But also last week of Jets, looking forward to seeing uh, what we're going to be, see, you know, seeing from them on the ice tomorrow against the Flyers and Friday and Sunday as well. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's seemingly we haven't really talked about the weather here in Winnipeg the last couple of days. No, not as much storm talk, but like. I think we got to make a Winnipeg pothole talk. Yeah, driving oh. around, it's like a video game, Huss. I'm just going, I'm going like this, like over and over. People on the podcast can't see me trying to like swerve in and out. It's insanity. 
out there. Thankfully, well, my the worst uh, thing yeah. the worst thing about that was with all the water that uh, happened over the course of the weekend. I mean, you can't see. Like you don't even you don't have the opportunity in many cases even to try to avoid the potholes. And I mean, these potholes are borderline sinkholes at times. I mean, I I had to pop by and see a friend out in Tuxedo when I was coming on Taylor Avenue. Um, I guess uh, uh, east towards Route 90. I mean, this looked like there had been, you know, artillery shelling happening on yes. the on the roads. I mean, it is brutal. Like, I'm not even sure that a Sherman tank could handle Winnipeg roads right now. So, uh, yeah, I guess it'll be good for uh, the uh, the people that are involved in uh, fixing suspensions <laughs> of vehicles right now. Um, that being said, has it warmed up at all? I mean, I know yesterday was ridiculously cold, an all-time low high for uh, for the date in uh, in April in Winnipeg history. Um, I'm still got my winter jacket on. I don't know if I need to, but that's where I'm at. Still taking out the winter jacket, though. So, yeah, it's pretty not spring weather. I'll say that. Well, I don't want to rub it in. I looked out my window, and it was 29 Celsius today. I've been uh, inside. It's very nice and cool in here right now it's sort of the calm before the storm as things get going and yeah you mentioned i mean bar canada when we're doing the show right now here in the d um is sort of a canadian hockey bar is what they uh, they promoted as so i mean hockey's always got priority on the televisions well last night there was one stinking game and it was the flyers and the chicago blackhawks so uh not quite the matchup that was uh, gathering the attention of everyone i'll tell you what was though reem the Brooklyn Nets being bounced in four straight and swept by the Boston Celtics. And then myself and a couple of other Canadians glued to the gutsy performance of the Toronto Raptors going into Philly, facing elimination, winning convincingly as eight-point underdogs. And they bring that series back to Toronto for game number six. I was just looking over my shoulder. Sixers opened as a very slight one-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. I got to tell you, I think the Raptors have what it takes to get this series back to Philly for a seventh game. And if that happens, all the pressure will be on the 76ers as the Raptors, even without Fred Van Vliet, have a lot of momentum after just that brilliant performance last night. Yeah, I'll say this about the Nets. I think everyone thinks it's so easy to just build a championship team, slap a couple superstars together, and hope everyone gets along. Um, not that easy, and it's amazing to me that the Miami Heat were able to do what they did. Now, they did have LeBron, although some could argue that Kevin Durant player is pretty good himself, but I think it just makes the Miami Heat's run and LeBron James' run so impressive over the last I don't know, 15, 15 years, and Brooklyn thought they could create a super team, and here they are swept. seemed like there were a lot of issues. Um, I know Kyrie, Ben Simmons uh, hurt his back and didn't want to play. So disappointing for them. Happy for everyone, everyone else. And as far as the Raptors, I mean, pretty impressive. We were talking yesterday. It's going to be tough without Van Vliet, and there they are, three-two. Could make it. You know, when you're in three-two, I mean, all you just have to you just have to have that one game mentality because when you get to game seven, it's anybody's game. So uh, I think major pressure on Philly. Don't want to be that blow that Rio lead. That would be that would be pretty rough. So the Raptors seem to have a little momentum here heading into the next one. Well, they absolutely do. I mean, it was an incredible performance last night by the Raps, and uh, we'll look forward to game six. I'm already seeing, I mean, just pandemonium in the GTA of people trying to get their hands on tickets for game six. Um, so, uh, listen, we know that the fans will come out. It's going to be a great, great atmosphere for that game. And, uh, 
you know, as someone that on the long step said, this series is going seven, we're still alive. And I'll tell you what, would love to see the Raptors get to seven, and at that point, anything is possible. All that being said, let's focus in on the hockey scene. We are going to be talking uh, Winnipeg ice playoffs before game three tonight with Munzee coming up in a few minutes. Uh, but the Jets did get back to practice today, Remo, and Cole Perfetti was out there in a yellow jersey. Now, he's not going to play in the final three games. He will not play for the Manitoba Moose. I would imagine there'll be some speculation. I mean, I guess potentially a world championships. He went last year. Um, if that's something that is possible for, you know, just health-wise. And then, of course, there's the World Junior Hockey Championships in August. And I didn't think that there was a chance that Perfetti would go back and play for Team Canada in the tournament this summer. Maybe I should rethink that a little bit right now, considering the fact that it's been like a couple months as he's been out of the lineup. And it'll be a long time he won't have played hockey. Maybe that experience in August would be good for him to prepare for a full NHL camp and um, cracking the team and being an important player right out of the gate next season for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, that was, that's been a question has the last couple of weeks. Every day someone's in chat saying, what's the Perfetti update? We need to hear about Perfetti. And it was over the weekend. Dave Lowry said that Shafley won't play the rest of the season and Perfetti, but there he was. And I kind of agree with you. I was on the train that there's no way they're going to let this guy play in the World Juniors um, this summer. But if he's, you know, in a yellow non-contact jersey now, and the World Juniors are in August, I mean, he can't play. If he could play with the Moose in the playoffs, I would be like, yeah, but he wasn't on the roster at the deadline. He was in the NHL, so he's not eligible. So I'm on the train. Maybe they do let him play in the World Juniors. Because if you're going to, or, you know, if you would let him play in the World Championships... And maybe he might make the team, might might not. Um, then why, you know, and he doesn't make the team, then why not let him play in the World Juniors? So I guess the, well, maybe I think the, it's timing, first, the timing. I think it's I, first going to come down to a personal choice as to whether yeah. he wants to. And, and, and you know, I guess we'll probably hear from Cole at some point, or at least at the end of the, end of the season, I would imagine, uh, and get some clarity as to whether that's something that he would even entertain. Um, because I think for a lot of players, like, and first of all, like, what is this World Junior Tournament going to be like? I, I mean, I, I'm glad they're doing it, and I think the young players, the young men that had the opportunity to represent their country and had it taken away because of what happened with COVID around Christmas, you know, were robbed of what, for many of them, will be the highlight of their hockey career. But if you are, you know, Cole Perfetti, that's already played significant time in the National Hockey League and presumably will be a National Hockey Leaguer next year, uh, you know, do you, do you think of this tournament the same way as you would something that really captivates the entire country, um, you know, at Christmas time? I guess the other question is, is anyone even going to be paying attention to this tournament? And on top of it all, no Russians. Um, you know, playing against the Russians, the Russian contingent has always been a big part of that tournament. So if the competition's watered down a little bit, if there's a number of players that were on the club uh, the, uh, at Christmas aren't playing this summer... I do wonder how attractive it will be. But I, I kind of think that this is going to come down to a personal decision for Perfetti, as I mentioned, as to what puts him in the best situation to um, give him the best shot to come out and be an impact player um, in training camp, to earn himself the best spot and opportunity with the Winnipeg Jets, and to have the best season he can as an NHLer next season. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's goal number one. And I kind of agree with you. I don't know how. You know, this World Juniors is going to be received. As you said, no Russians. It's in the summer. You know, alternative scheduling. But I guess if he wants to play and he wants that that time in to get ready, I, and he has had, you know, hasn't played the full season after playing, you know, last year 
um, with the Moose, with the World Juniors. Um, I mean, he had a pretty, uh, pretty long, sorry, at World Championships. He had a long year last year. He's had some time off here. Maybe he does want to play, but, you know, again, practicing today, non-contact, yellow jersey, positive sign, and we can speculate as we want going forward, but I think he's going to be, you know, a big part of this team um, next year for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, one of the other things that we'll talk to Mike McIntyre about when Mike joins us, we'll hit on that, um, as well as the comments from Neil Pionk uh, today. And, um, you know, I haven't yet heard them, but uh, finishing up Lock Shop, just checking in with um, some of the guys that were down at the rink today. Neil Pionk spoke after the game and referred to the season as embarrassing. And, um, listen, uh, well, I guess we'll get to Pionk individually in a second. Um, I think there's a lot of people that share that feeling, especially within that Jets locker room. And Pionk himself has had a really tough season. Now, whether that has anything to do with the knee to the head he took from Jason Spezza uh, on the 5th of December against the Toronto Maple Leafs in that spirited game downtown Winnipeg, I'm not sure. But he certainly has had his fair share of issues this year and you know hasn't been the guy that we saw last year and the year before play so well and play such an important role for the Winnipeg Jets and you know with Pionk dropping off it speaks to the incredible season that Josh Morrissey's had and how important that has been for the Winnipeg Jets but the thing that I like to hear is that you know he said that you know this team needs to take you know to get away to spend plenty of time you know self-reflecting on each individual's role in what happened this year, how they can be better, and then come back next season with a real legitimate chip on their shoulder. I mean, sometimes this team sort of sort of tried to, um, and I think this goes to Blake Wheeler, we've talked about it beforehand, sort of tried to fabricate or come up with a reason to be mad or have this chip on the shoulder. They've given themselves all the reason they need this year with the disappointing end to what was a very promising season coming out of the gate. And um, that's exactly what I think most people would like to hear, um, that, you know, they do want to come back, make amends to themselves and the fan base and uh, be a hell of a lot better next season that they, than they were this year, obviously not participating in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, and here's the comments, Mike McIntyre tweeting them out. Uh, let's be honest, it was kind of embarrassing what we did this year. We had a really good roster and totally underachieved. When I look in the mirror, I'm embarrassed. I don't think I played as best as I could all year. I think if everyone goes in the summer and does that self-evaluation and we all come back, it's, it'll be a lot better. So just echoing what, what you said, there's the complete uh, complete quote. Um, and I think you want to hear it straight from them. You don't want to hear any more excuses. I know, um, you know we've heard time zone and uh, young team in the past, but this was a team that was expected to be in the playoffs. And you want to hear some accountability there saying, hey, you know what, we were not good enough this year for whatever reason, and they're going to look and try to do it back in. There's probably going to be some changes to the roster. We'll have to wait and see what they are, but I think you like to hear that kind of honesty. You want to feel like the players um, do care and they have acknowledged that, you know, they didn't perform to what the expectations were. And as for Neil Pionk personally, I think it was a down year for him. He had COVID and, um, you know, New Year's, he, he was stuck. You know, you don't know how much that affected him, but then he had the concussion from Jason Spezza, which you mentioned, maybe there was also a you know lower body issue. He seemed to have battled injuries all all year, and he just hasn't been um, the same player. Uh, Morrissey's kind of, as you said, overtook him. He, Morrissey's playing on power play one now, and you know Pionk just we haven't got that uh, production from him this year that we have uh, in the past years. 
Yeah, and uh, listen, I appreciate that sort of frankness. I mean, I don't think there's anything that would anger uh, Jets fans more than, you know, hearing anything but that sort of frank honesty about where the season's has been right now, um, you know, from the team. And, and as I said, we've spent a lot of time, you know, really coming out of that miserable road trip for the club where, I mean, they got absolutely rolled over by some of the best teams in the league um, but they'd already knew that they weren't going to be making the playoffs. But I think that that was um, maybe just an exclamation point on where this team has fallen to this year and what needs to happen to turn things around. And, you know, Neil Pionk, I know, doesn't wear a letter, but um, he's been a very important part of this club for uh, the last few seasons. Um, and, you know, that sort of personal accountability, I think, goes a long way to, um, you know, at least making people realize that this team knows the same thing that we've been talking about all season long. They were capable of more. It didn't happen. Um, and the big question, and it's not for Neil Pionk, it is for the powers that be within the Jets organization as to what will change to hopefully, you know, get better results next season. Um, but you can put in a new coach. You can change players. There will be the majority of the guys with this club will be back. I think that's safe to say, barring an absolutely wild summer. Um, and every one of those players, I think, needs to, be better, but do exactly what Neil Pionk said. I mean, some real self-reflection on what happened to make sure that it does not happen again. And uh, that being said, as I mentioned yesterday, I thought this team showed something in that win over uh, Colorado on Sunday to be able to play like that with nothing to play for other than, as Blake Wheeler said, some self-respect and showing the fans that, um, you know, they're still going to be there and Give them, give them their all. Um, it was a nice result. It was a nice start to this trip. Um, and, you know, they'll have a chance to, uh, you know, maybe get a few more good feelings after games with some wins uh, before probably next Monday is going to be plenty of conversations very similar to what we just heard from Neil Pionk discussing the overall disappointment of uh, the 2021-2022 season. Yeah, just going over Neil Pionk's stats here. I mean, two years ago with the Jets, 2019-20, at 45 points in 71 games last year. I mean, I think he was on, on pace for more, 32-54. and 54. But this year, he's kind of done the same thing he did last year, but in 20 more games. And he's played 74 games this year. He's got 34 points. Same number of goals as last season, three. So, a bit of a disappointing year uh, for Neil Pionk. And I see comments in chat. Uh, Lynn saying she expects a rebound from Pionk, and I kind of agree. I think this year we were go we were expecting a rebound from you know Dubois, which we definitely saw. Josh Morrissey, we saw, and I think Pionk's as we mentioned before, he's battled injuries. I would expect him to be, be to be better, and I think he's a guy who, who says you know self reflection and I need to be better. I think he's a guy who's going to be able to do that, but. I mean, he's one of those veteran defensemen, Huss, that the Jets have locked up for a number of years. Will we see some retooling there? And I don't think you want to sell low on Neil Pionk, but we there's a veteran there's a veteran defenseman on the Jets roster now that will not be on the team next year, and who will it be? And I think that's going to be the guessing game we're playing uh, all uh, off season until it happens. Well, and, and you know what, you make a great point. And of course, I mean, the Jets did sign Pionk to I believe it was a four year deal last off season, and that that was the last. That was the last deal that got done of multi-year. Um, listen, they basically decided they had Pionk, they had Andrew Kopp. They could sign one guy to a deal in that neighborhood, and it was Pionk. And um, listen, I'm a fan of Neil Pionk, and I think he's been great for those two years beforehand. But you make a great point that, you know, with the bounce-back seasons 
of Pierre-Luc Dubois and Josh Morrissey, um, there was some real regression and difficulties of Neil Pionk and a couple guys up front that, you know, sort of negated any gains from um, what Dubois and Morrissey were able to do compared to their performances last year. And that was all part of it. I mean, bottom line is, I mean, I don't think there's many players, you know, including those guys that we just mentioned that actually had big bounce back seasons um, outside of maybe Kyle Connor that could look and say, you know, this is that was as good as it gets for me. Um, so that'll be a big part of what the offseason is. And I imagine this Winnipeg Jets team, after they take a little bit of time to get away from hockey, um, you know, if they're spending some time watching the Stanley Cup playoffs, which I imagine most of those guys will be doing, um, you'd think and you certainly hope it'll get that fire going for a great offseason of work, of training, and to come in to be as good as possible for you know, the first practice for whoever coaching this club um, with a mission to avoid what happened earlier this year. Um, as quickly on the lines from practice today, Reem, um, Hark's back up with uh, with Dubois and Connor Jansen Harkins after, you know, uh, that nice assist to Kyle Connor on his 45th of the season. Um, and I like this. I mean, I think in some ways, I think this is a reward for Jansen Harkins for maybe being a good soldier over the course of this year. We've talked at length about how the fourth line hasn't played Harkins' role. And I, and I can't really remember any game where I looked at Jansen Harkins and say, man, you know, he's just not got it today or he's not there. More often than not, we basically were talking about Jansen Harkins as to not being on the ice because the team didn't play it. So, uh, you know, he did well. Um, and Barron and Sanford, Sanford was back at practice today. They were rotating in along with Lowry and Appleton on that third line. Ehlers, Stastny, Wheeler, and then Brooks, Toninato, and Svechnikov on the fourth line. Uh, it looks like Dylan Sandberg with Pionk, Morrissey, DeMello, Dylan Schmidt, and Stanley is the seventh defenseman. And obviously Hellebuck and Comrie. Um, Sanford out of the non-contact jersey. And as we mentioned, Cole Perfetti did skate today, but in the non-contact jersey. We're going to get back to the Jets with Mike McIntyre. Maybe we'll get some thoughts from Munzee on the Jets too. But it's all about the ice right now as Winnipeg is up 2-0 and heading out to PA. We'll bring Brian in in just a minute. First off, though, a big thanks to Wallace & Wallace, our newest sponsor, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist. They've been serving residential and commercial customers for over 75 years here in Winnipeg as the leaders in the industry. If your property needs the security and protection of a new fence or if winter has done a number on your old one, give them a call. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain, li chain link, or wood, they've got the right fence for you. And if it's time to replace your garage door, Wallace & Wallace has Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors and expert that can come down, give you a free estimate. So you can give them a call at 204-452-2700 to set that up or visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off Keniston. Hey, summer is just about here. Well, spring is just about here for Winnipeg. Uh, but we know what that means. Weddings, grads, and more. Uh, and listen, you probably haven't worn a suit very much over the last couple of years, but times are changing in a good way. Every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And F Apparel's custom suits for men start at just $400. All of the newest spring and summer fabrics and patterns are in. Over 250 of them for you to choose from. So make your way down to 190 Smith Street or fapparel.com to make an appointment and find out more. And, of course, if you do, they are the leader in weddings in town. If you are planning a wedding, whether it be for this year or the following year, uh, don't rent a bunch of suits for your wedding party. Talk to F Apparel. You get 15% off for the entire group. 
and uh, Andrew and the gang will make you guys look great. And you'll be able to use those suits again and look great for future events, not just being one and done. Uh, and our friends over at Vita Health Fresh Market have a lot going on, including Winnipeg's best prices on natural and, uh, well, they basically have it all. You know, supplements, uh, in, in, uh, supplements, organic, natural groceries, beauty products, and gr all at great prices with an amazing staff trained on these products to help you get what you need. Uh, if you're into organic produce, local grass-fed meats, they've got that. Bison steaks for the barbecue this summer. Uh, to mention a great grab-and-go deli with Vitamarket salads, sandwiches, soups, and more. Um, they've got the new fully shoppable website at myvita.ca, so you can go online, get everything you need, and schedule a delivery with Instacart. But this Friday is Customer Appreciation Day, 10% off just about everything in the store. So if, if you've been waiting to pick up some of those vitamin supplements or maybe try out the great offerings at Vita, why don't you do it on Friday, April 29th, and get a great deal at the same time. More information at myvita.ca. Pop down any of their seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. All right, let's talk ice. Great weekend at the Ice Cave. Ice, the number one team in the Western Hockey League up to nothing uh, and uh, some travel issues for both teams coming out of the weekend brian munns has safely arrived in pa before tonight's game three and joins us now on winnipeg sports talk daily munzi what's going on how are you i'm good Huffs. i had to throw my uh ice blue jacket on from our friends at f apparel for you real quick i saw the promo during the break there you're good and, you're good uh, threw the jacket on for you to start the program but it's about a thousand degrees in my hotel room so i gotta take it off <laughs> shout out to the boys at F. Uh, no doubt. Hey, listen, before we talk about the games on the weekend and uh, this game tonight, um, listen, I mean, what's been happening in Southern Manitoba weather-wise has been, uh, you know, I mean, dealing everybody, you know, a few curveballs. But, uh, you know, in some ways, I'm sure it was pretty cool for the PA Raiders to be able to all get up to the press box and check out the Jets' uh, avalanche game on Sunday night. But from your side of things and maybe the coaches and general managers sorts of things, you don't anticipate that sort of a change of plans in the middle of a playoff series. Uh, fill us in on what your team as well as the Raiders were dealing with coming out of the first two games at the Ice Cave on the weekend. Well, you don't expect it, but uh, isn't it just kind of fitting with everything that's gone on the last couple of years? Like it's another line or chapter in the book, really, when you think about everything that's gone on. But uh, yeah, you know what? We uh, we all went through the crazy rain and the wind that uh, happened over the weekend, and then you know Southern Saskatchewan was hit hard, where there was no opportunity for anybody really to travel anywhere. And Brandon Wheat Kings got caught up with it uh, in their series coming back from Red Deer. It took them a lot longer to get back from Alberta. So uh, the safest thing to do for both teams, uh, you know, everybody was kind of set to go yesterday morning or Sunday morning, I guess it was and uh just couldn't leave so uh everybody hunkered down and uh as you allude to uh the raiders went and watched the colorado game and it was good for them because you know josh morris he played in the game and then josh manson who's from prince albert uh played 40 minutes for the avalanche so i know they thought it was pretty cool to get out and uh, and see those guys and uh the two teams both respectively practiced yesterday morning and then jumped on the bus and Made our way in here. We got in about uh, 45 minutes after they did because we stopped in Saskatoon for supper. And both teams went through their pregame skates this morning and we're all ready to go tonight for game three. 
Good stuff. Well, the ice certainly were ready to go um, for uh, their first uh, real playoff series here in Winnipeg. It's yeah. such a long time coming. I mean, um, and I'll tell you what, I'm glad that at least the ice have had this season this year as opposed to one of the last couple of years because the excitement about what this team could be capable of would have been incredibly disappointing to not get a chance to do it. Um, playoffs are here. Atmosphere was great. A ton of people that, you know, maybe hadn't had a chance to get out to the ice went out uh, and saw it on the weekend. And man, they saw two, um, just uh, exactly what you'd hope to start the playoffs. I mean, two strong games in both ends of the Winnipeg ice uh, for the Winnipeg ice and a two nothing lead. Fill us in on your thoughts on how the weekend went for the home squad. Well, let's start with the atmosphere because you brought that up first. Uh, it was second to none. Like there was standing room only around the top of the arena and, uh, it was fantastic. Like it was a ton of fun and the players were talking about it on the bus yesterday. We're expecting a, a hornet's nest here tonight in PA. There's not a ticket available or there's very few anyway. It's uh, single seats in the building. And uh, from the years that I spent here, now it's 20 years ago, but you know, they bring the old, uh, the milk crates out, the big uh, plastic boxes that people stand on. And there are a couple rows deep uh, in the standing room area. So it's going to be a fantastic atmosphere here tonight. So both buildings are smaller, but uh, people are jammed into it. So the players get uh you know, real up close and personal with everybody involved uh, in both seating capacities. And then on the ice, uh, Winnipeg just kind of continued to do what they did during their 68-game regular season schedule. And that's roll through their four lines and their six defensemen. And Daniel Hauser was terrific in net. And the ice have been the better special teams team so far. The ice are four for seven on the power play. And PA is 0 for 8. And they taste, uh, chased uh, Tikon Chaika, the starting goalie for PA in game two. So, uh, yeah, it was a really good start to the series, but uh, the Ace know that they're in for uh, a whole new animal coming up here tonight at uh, 8 o'clock Winnipeg time for sure. Bunzi, you mentioned the power play um, and special teams in particular, and when we had that great conversation heading into the playoffs last weekend on the program with James Patrick. And we were yeah. talking to him a little bit about, you know, the way he'd handled practice, um, you know, because they had some times where they're playing weekend games and plenty of time to practice, and... He said more than at a normal time, we'd spent a lot of times focusing on special teams. And I mean, listen, this team has done pretty much everything well throughout the entire year. But that really did seem a focus of James going into the practices, heading into game number one. And uh, I imagine James and the coaching staff were pretty pleased at the results so far through two games. Yeah, like... Winnipeg's a deeper team. There's there's no doubt. Like PA's kind of on the the back end of their cycle. They're the defending champs. They're the last team to win uh when there was WHL playoffs in 2019 and a few of those players are still here right now. So, you know, they have an idea what it takes to have success, but as I mentioned kind of in that last comment here right now, Winnipeg's depth up front for me is the difference here right now where they've been able to roll through their top 9 forwards who are legitimately 3 number one lines on on any other team but you know it's one two three right now here through Winnipeg or one a b c whichever way you want to put at it and uh you know that's that's been to their favor here right now now uh there's a little bit of rumor that Ozzy Weisblatt could be an option back from San Jose uh here tonight that murmur is starting to go around the city uh I haven't talked to Mark Habshad yet we've got our pregame visit coming up at five and I would imagine he's not going to probably tell us anyway because we're in playoffs and might have to wait until warm-up whether 19 steps onto the ice. But if he's a go, that's going to give them a boost of adrenaline for sure. And you know, they've got some good players here with PA. Like Reese Vitale's had some great chances. Evan Herman 
Uh, Landon Kozier, Sloan Stanek on the back end. Nolan Allen played 33 minutes in game one. Uh, Landon Kozier's a really good defenseman as well. So they've got some players here that can be game breakers for them, but uh, Winnipeg's been able to, you know, to have success here in the first two, but uh, these next two games aren't just uh, a rubber stamp here yet. This is going to be a challenge for sure, and that adds to the excitement of this one coming up here this evening. Absolutely. You know, it was interesting, too, I mean, for the ice. I mean, you talked about them being a four-line team, and James Patrick mentioned how important that was to get everybody involved. And, you know, naturally when you're talking, I mean, when we're talking about the team, you know I mean? You know, we're talking about Savoy and Geeky and uh, McLennan. The guy that I can't take my eyes off every time we watch the ice is Zach Benson. And he was a 15-year-old last year playing in the bubble, um, and he opened a lot of eyes. And, I mean, the way that... Someone like James Patrick, who has been in the game for his entire life, played so long in the National Hockey League, speaks about this young man as a 16-year-old. Tells you all you need to know. But, um, man, you'd never know that he's 16 other than how big he is out there. Um, But, man, did he come to play. And uh, you see a lot of very spread-out scoring as well from the first couple games, which I'm sure was another really good sign for the ice that they got a lot of guys going uh, at the most important time of the year. Well, Benson's got a goal and uh, two assists so far for three points through the first six periods. And, uh, you know, he, Carson Lambos, and Ben Zelotti are three-point players so far to lead Winnipeg in that regard. So you're right. Like, it it spread all the way through. And and the neat part about it here is they've got, you allude to Zach Benson's a young 16-year-old. They've got him playing right now with Connor Geeky and Chase Wheatcroft because Matthew Savoy didn't play in game two. He's a game time decision right now. We don't know if he'll be able to play or not. So they bump a guy in that's 19 years old and brought in from Lethbridge for a reason to be elevated into the lineup. And he's done exactly that. And then it just kind of trickles down all the way through, whether it's the the Jack Finley line or the Cole Muir line, uh, you know, it's worked out well. So, uh, you know, so far so good for the team, but uh, again, we'll kind of see what happens coming up here at seven. And I would expect a big bounce back as well from from PA's goalie. Uh, we talked about Chica leaving earlier on in game two, and he's the reason why the Raiders are here. He played 51 games during the regular season. Like it was back to the Arthur's Herbe day. Remember that when he was playing 70 plus for, for the <laughs> for Carolina <Maurice>. Hurricanes? <laughs> yeah. That uh, the Chica's done that. So I would expect that uh, he'll be fired up for this one. Well, speaking of goaltending, I mean, uh, Daniel Hauser, what a season he's had. Uh, WHL East Division first year, uh, first all-star team. Uh, he was a nominee for the Dell Wilson Memorial Trophy for the goaltender of the year from the East yeah. Division. Um, a 1.5 goals against average and what, 925 save percentage. Um, he's been an absolute rock for this club. Now, uh, James Patrick will be the first one to tell you that, you know, those numbers also speak to the way his team has played in front of him. That being said, Brian, I mean, tell us a little bit about what you've seen all season long as Daniel Hauser has really strengthened his grip on that number one job and uh, has established himself as another star that maybe doesn't get enough attention because of how many goals his teammates are scoring at the other end of the rink. You're bang on. He doesn't get that attention, but he's starting to right now. And I think that's what excites me for him because this is his draft year. Like we all talk about Connor Geeky and Matthew Savoy and deservedly so Uh, Mikey Milne, but to me right now, the thing that I tell everybody is Daniel Hauser is bigger than UC Soros, and we know what the Nashville Predators goalie has been able to do for them over the last number of years since taking over from Pekka Rene down in Smashville, so I think Hauser, the way he has played this year and through the early parts of the playoffs right now, deserves that opportunity. Will he get it? 
We'll have to wait and see. Uh, maybe he goes into somebody's camp as a free agent and, and is able to go that route. But uh, I hope he gets drafted because he tied for the league lead in wins with 34 during the season. He had the best goals against average. He led the league in shutouts. So he's done his part, but he has had a good team play in front of him. But the thing for me is Huss, he's made the saves when he's, when he's needed to. And uh, he made a couple of really big stops in game one. Game two was a little bit more lopsided. Uh, for Winnipeg, but uh, in game one, he made a couple of timely saves, especially on a PA power play that hasn't scored as of yet. He was able to uh, deny them on a five on three. That was about a minute 34, if memory serves me right. So he's been a big part of this, despite the fact Winnipeg has scored eight goals as a team, uh, giving up only three right now has a lot to do with number 31. Well, and, and you know what? I mean, uh, you know, speaking of timely save, timely goals as well for the, uh, for the ice and, you know, when you go into a series like this where you've got the top team, number one, playing number eight, I mean, I think if you're the eight seed, if you're the underdog, you're hoping to go in and maybe surprise in game number one. And the PA's credit, they hung in there. They got yeah. that goal to make it a one-goal game early in the third period, and then, boom, the ice scored. I mean, not more than a minute later, I think, to, to get that lead, and that is exactly what you'd want to see. Um, and listen, you take away a little bit more of the stress, which is a good thing, but also you can see that a team is able to bounce back at a key moment of a playoff game right out of the gate. Another great sign for Winnipeg is they uh, will need to do a lot of that if they want to get their eventual goal of being WHL champs and playing the Memorial Cup. I agree. Like it, and that's the ebbs and flows, I think, that we all love about the playoffs right now, whether it's watching the Stanley Cup playoffs or whether it's here in the Western League or the Moose getting ready for their run. Like that's, that's what's so exciting. Yeah, it's one versus eight, but a PA win tonight, and all of a sudden this is a brand-new series, right, with game four, or as they would look at it, game two in their building, and then if necessary, we would come back to the ice cave on Friday night for game five. So uh, – I'll be honest, the, this clock is like going dead slow right now for me here today. we got to kind of fast forward this thing up. Well, I'm glad we uh, gave you something to occupy yourself for a few minutes while you get ready to Absolutely. talk to the coaches and get ready. Hey, I, I got to ask you about one guy that we never talk about, and I made a point of asking James about him because um, Nolan Orzek's a player that's been with this organization since he was barely 15 years old. He yep. finally gets a chance to play in the playoffs. I'm looking at, he was plus 62 this season. And listen, he's playing with Carson Lambos a good portion of the season when Lambos was in the lineup. And Lambos, you know, a first-round pick in the Minnesota Wild, uh, a player that we will be looking at in the National Hockey League at some point for sure. But from your perspective, Orzek, um, how much of a steadying veteran presence does he have on the club? And um, how important has he been Maybe while we're paying a little bit more attention to guys with some gaudier stats outside of that ridiculous plus minus number I just mentioned. You know, the thing with me that I look at him, Huss, he's one of those guys that is like the lowest maintenance guy there is. Like he just goes out and he does his job. He comes to the rink every day and he's got a smile on his face. Yeah, it's his last year of junior. So he and Cole Muir and Jake and Smallwood are sucking every little minute out of the fun they're having right now. And rightfully so, because when they were in Cranbrook, they weren't good. So they've been able to go from here all the way up to the top and you know enjoy a 52-53 win regular season and then go into this playoff here right now with uh, a lot of, you know, as, as we call it, I guess, youthful enthusiasm because they're only 21. They've got a long way to go in their hockey career. But 
for me, he's a pro already. And Smallwood and Muir are kind of the same idea for me is you look at so many of these young guys and, you know, we'll take it to the Moose or we'll take it to the Jets. When some of these players come in, sometimes they're not ready for the next level because they're a high draft pick or something like that. If you've got one of those three guys that's coming into your organization at the next level, they appreciate what they've been able to do. They appreciate what they've been able to learn. And they're serviceable guys that aren't expecting everybody to go gaga all over them. They just want to go out and play and, and help their team. So, you know, Nolan Orzik's been a big key of this. Uh, he was a healthy scratch in the last uh, few games of the regular season just to make sure that his body was ready to go. Uh, other than that, he played every other game this year and, uh, you know, didn't miss a beat, whether it was uh, a dull night in uh, Swift Current or Moose Jaw or whether it was a big game in the Battle of Manitoba for Taylor McCaffrey, lawyers against Brandon. He kind of brought it every night. And uh, he's he's a big piece of this team. And you're right. It, it's good of you to mention a guy like that that doesn't get the headlines because he was a, a big piece of this team that is uh, is a major reason why they are where they are. One other guy I wanted to ask you, and Remo and I came out for uh, that one of the games against the Oil Kings, um, and yeah. it was, I believe, the first game that Jack Finley uh, had played in Winnipeg for the ice. And, of course, he was a big um, trade deadline acquisition. I didn't realize that he's basically the only guy on the team that's ever played a playoff game. I mean, Newell had one game for Tri-City in 2019. Other than that, you're talking about one player that had 15 games. I mean... Give us the uh, role and the importance of Finley, but at the same time, um, the fact that, you know, every single other player for the most part on this team was getting their first taste of playoff action. And as we mentioned, passed the test quite well in the first two games at the Ice Cave. Yeah, those were the only two guys that uh, had seen dub playoffs back in 2019. So it was, and I talked to him a little bit about it coming in, like, and he, he almost said, like, it was so much fun, but I don't remember all the details because it was so long ago, right? Like it's a couple of years ago already, but the one thing about Jack and as soon as you see him step onto the ice is there's not many six foot six, 200 and whatever he is, probably, I think he's listed at 223 right now where physically he's able to dominate a lot of these younger, smaller players, right? Like he's, he's a man, like he's ready to play pro already here so a big get by the organization obviously to complement things down the middle and he's a big reason why their penalty kill is perfect right now in the postseason his face-off numbers are tremendous because he's able to go in and he's able just to out muscle a lot of opposition players and then he's able to go net front and a lot of the defensemen can't move him out of the way so when you're a man playing and i don't mean this by any disrespect but when you're a man playing with some boys because they're they're younger and they're smaller players, he's been able to use his size to his advantage, and uh, he's been a huge piece to this team for sure, and will be moving forward. Because you know what the grind is like in the playoffs. Oh. Right? The body started to wear down a little bit. That's why it's important to play as uh, least number of games as you can in those first few rounds. And uh, and Jack's able to use his frame to his advantage for sure. Well, and speaking of that, Brian, I mean, you mentioned the schedule. I mean, uh, you know, the travel got screwed up because of the weather. They're going to game three tonight. Game four is tomorrow. And game five potentially is back in Winnipeg at the Ice Cave, if necessary, on Friday night. Um, yeah. The Winnipeg Ice have their sights set on far more than just a first-round victory. And as you mentioned, a big opportunity if they can get this win tonight to potentially give themselves some extra rest, some extra practice time, some extra preparation round two and the rest of what we hope will be a long playoff run for the ice tonight 
Yeah, and that's what it's all about, right? Because, you know, like Edmonton's been able to win their first two games at home against Lethbridge. They're going into game three. Brandon's giving Rendier a run, a huge win for the Wheat Kings in overtime in game two. So, you know, that series is now going five, and they've got to make their way back to Alberta. And we talked earlier on about the travel implications that uh, they had to go through yesterday after their second game on Saturday. So all those little things do add up all the way through the playoffs. So, you know, take advantage, take advantage of the rest when you can. And then, uh, you know, if you can have a little bit of early success, be able to put uh, those extra hours in the bank because you're going to need them here over a long playoff run for sure. And we didn't even talk about Moose Jaw Saskatoon, who, you know, it's a 2 nothing advantage here for the Warriors right now. And I was talking to Les Lazarick, the good Winnipegger, coming into their series tonight uh, back into Saskatoon down the highway for us. And, uh, and they've got a good one going too. So these playoffs are so much fun to be a part of right now. It's great to be back in it. I'm glad you mentioned uh, the Wheaties because I was going to ask you about that and, you know, some of the other things happening in and around. I mean, the one thing that we got robbed of earlier when playoffs were canceled was a playoff series between the Winnipeg Ice and the Brandon Wheat Kings. I mean, I, I personally don't think there could be anything that would be a bigger jolt of energy to junior hockey and this Battle of Manitoba that has been incredible in the regular season than a series between those two clubs. I mean, what needs to happen, Brian, for Winnipeg to play Brandon? Obviously, they need to win. Could that happen in the second round, or is that something that would happen? I guess it really depends on who else wins in the 1-8 to eight format. Yeah, it does, because Winnipeg has home ice, and they're the number one seed all the way through. So, obviously, Brandon would need to upset Red Deer because the Rebels were the number three team, and then, you know, I guess uh, the way it could happen is your 2-7 matchup between Edmonton and Lethbridge. Uh, you know, Lethbridge needs to be eliminated. So it, it's possible. Like, it could happen in round two. It's up to uh, the Wheat Kings, essentially, to win. Because, I mean, the, right. the Wheat Kings win uh, as the sixth seed, and Winnipeg and Edmonton win. That would set up Brandon, set up one, yeah. Winnipeg. And I'll tell you what, for whoever wins that series, too, I mean, I think that would be great for both Manitoba teams at that oh. point to maybe limit some of the, the travel, the amount of time y'all are spending on the bus. Yeah, two hours down the highway. Now, you got to avoid a lot of potholes, which makes <laughs> it to about 215 or 220 or 230. But, uh, yeah, like, I think at the end of the day, like, how fantastic would that be? Like, the rivalry between those you saw each other 10 times during the season. There was two in the preseason already. Could you imagine up to a possibility of seven more games coming up in the playoffs? Rid like, what's Ridley Gregg going to do in that best of seven series? Like, he's back now. He played against Red Deer. Um, yeah, like, let's not, let's not count anything uh, that's not done yet in this first round, but uh, that would be something. Well, listen, if you if you were a fan of junior hockey in Manitoba and you're pulling for the ice, I think also uh, let's see if the uh, let's see if everyone uh, can uh, get the Wheaties through to the next round and do that. Uh, a lot of people in chat asking about Savoy. You mentioned game time decision right now. I mean, we won't get into what his injury is, but maybe just I mean, listen, he's going to be a top 10 draft pick for sure this summer um, for folks that haven't seen him. Fill, uh, fill the people that are asking about uh, Matt Savoy, the season he's had as a member of the Winnipeg Ice and uh, what he'll uh, what he's got his eyes set on along with his teammates coming to playoffs, assuming he gets back into the lineup soon. Yeah, he's a game-time decision right now, so uh, we won't know until warm-up if he's ready to go. But he did skate yesterday, and he skated this morning here uh, inside the Art Hauser Center for pregame. So 
Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, that's about the only update that I have for you here right now on him. But yeah, when when he's 100%, he is uh, an elite junior hockey player that uh, isn't that far away from the NHL. Obviously, a 90-point campaign, the numbers speak for itself. And he's uh, he's a special talent. He's a special kid both on and off the ice, just like Connor Geeky is here. So I know the ice are uh, thrilled to have those guys here. And they're a big piece of this, along with Zach Benson and everybody else uh, over the next couple of years here to be excited about for sure that uh, a lot of other teams wish they had. Lindsay, good luck to the ice tonight. Thanks so much for taking the time. We cannot wait to see the team back at the ice cave, whether that is Friday for a game five or whether that's for a round two matchup. We'll be there and uh, we'll uh, be hanging and following the rest of the way. All the best and uh, travel safely. Watch out for those potholes. Absolutely. Enjoy your time down in the South. Another nice little gig you pulled off there, eh? <laughs> not, not too bad. We, we, we're, we're making it work. Uh, but I'll tell oh, you boy. what, as soon as I get back, I'll be down at that rink at the U of M. Uh, looking forward to uh, some playoff action for the ice. Have a great one and good luck tonight to the, to the squad. All right. Take care, Jose Adarimo. You got it. There it is. Brian Munn's voice of the Winnipeg ice with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, hey, Mike McIntyre's coming up in just a minute. I will say this, uh, and I mentioned this yesterday on the program. Man, I'm missing Culligan water right now. I don't know whether it is. Well, certainly tap water is pretty much undrinkable here, certainly as opposed to what we're used to in Winnipeg. And even the bottled water just does not cut the mustard, if you know what I mean. And uh, maybe we've just been spoiled because our friends at Culligan, locally owned family business, have been serving Manitoba for over 65 years do it better than anyone and they've got it all water softeners filters bottled water coolers whole home systems drinking water systems and citywide water delivery services as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions whatever your water needs are for the home the cottage or the office culligan is there for you you can pop down and see him at 1200 sergeant avenue 694 5180 and online at drink Culligan.com. Hey, Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery are ready for summer whenever it comes. And as we mentioned, they've expanded their hours right now to serve you better for the summer, 8 a.m. until 8 p.m. Of course, they had the big farm sale last week. Many people outside of the city might have a tough time getting in during the day. You can always phone in your orders to Manitoba Battery. Danny and the great staff will have it ready for you, quick and easy to pick up down at 1026 Logan Avenue. And in the meantime, when you're thinking about getting that boat back out, the golf cart that you use, maybe a hot rod you're working on, batteries for everything at the best prices in town at Manitoba Battery. Save money over Canadian Tire and Costco and shop local at Manitoba Battery, 1026 Logan Avenue. And you can visit them online at manitobabattery.com. Hey, Royal Sports ready for the upcoming playoffs uh, listen it won't involve the winnipeg jets but um all sorts of other teams if you're looking for some merch maybe to jump on a wagon they've got there for you the wagon i'm on right now is the raptors to see if they could maybe stretch this one to game seven a great selection of raptors merchandise as well and of course the blue jays uh canada soccer gear coming in as well uh, i'll have to wear the shirt i just picked up the weekend canada world cup 22 shirt before i left Rock that at some point here in Vegas over the next few days here at Bar Canada at the D Hotel. But whatever you're looking for merchandise-wise, Royal Sports has it. And, of course, we're also going to be getting outside and playing some of these games. So whether you're a soccer player, boots, balls, they've got it all. Softball, baseball, great bike selection, 
fitness and more. It's all there at Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. And I'd suggest following on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and deals over with our friends at Royal Sports. All right, let's get to uh, the Jets who practiced earlier today. Coming off a uh, nice win to break the losing streak on Sunday against the Colorado Avalanche. And uh, Mike McIntyre, along with his uh, trusted friend, which dog is this, Mike? This is Piper. This is our uh, this is our new rescue. Hi, Piper. Say hello. Uh, yeah, we we got this sweet girl about uh, almost a month ago now, and she, as you can tell, she still doesn't really have much concept of personal space. Uh, and she she's a big sweetie. She's quite clingy, and uh, she's also a bit of a uh, a show off. So when she saw the camera and heard the voices, she just came over and. She also doesn't recognize how large she is because she just she just sits on my lap here and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a great visual, uh, you know, and very well behaved. I will say we did see the uh, I believe you tweeted this out the uh, the rivalry from Piper and uh, Bodhi. The, and yes, Bodie. There is some yeah. uh, some good good action going on in the back seat, but uh, probably tired <laughs> her out and now just chilling here for a conversation about the Jets. Listen, I want to get to, um, you know, obviously these next three games, what we heard today from practice. Um, but um, first off, that game on Saturday night, talked to a number of friends. I was traveling that day. I did manage to watch the game in Vegas, uh, for, but basically I got here and was able to watch the second and third period. And, um, you know, considering the way the road trip went, I was really concerned about this game because I did know that, you know, the team was out, but the fans that were coming to these final four games of the season, I think we're expecting to see this team at least really show up and, and show that they care. Really, to quote Blake Wheeler, you know, for the guys to go out and play with some self-respect and, and, yeah. and play for the fans. And they did exactly that. You know, somewhat frustrating from a lot of people, you know, where were some of those performances earlier in the season? But it is what it is, and we are where we are. What did you think of Sunday's uh, game? What did you hear afterwards from the team? And, um, you know, for a team that's already looking ahead to next year, what did you take away from it, Mike? Yeah, there were some good signs for sure. And I think, if anything, it just served up a reminder that, you know, beneath, the frustration and the disappointment and you could go on and on describing this season that there still is the makings of, of a pretty good hockey team. Uh, you know, there's some good players and, and when they, when they put their minds to it and when they focus on kind of what they need to, to do, uh, they can be competitive with anybody. And I think that only adds, I guess, to the, um, you know, the, the confusion over why this season has gone the way it is, because we've seen that Jets team not nearly enough this season. But the fact is that they are capable of it and they showed it the other night. Now, I don't know how much stock we can put into what we saw out of the Avalanche. First of all, they were missing three key players, uh, obviously, um, of their own. And, um, you know, they, they've got first in the West locked up. I don't know how much the the uh, president's trophy means to them. It's more of a curse than anything. It would be uh, seem over the years. So they're trying they not to, win. they're trying not to win the president's trophy right, right now <laughs> because of that when they won it before. Yeah. Hey, you know what? It is a little bit concerning for the avalanche though. I mean, I was watching one of the, uh, the Denver shows online. I mean, this is their first four game losing streak of the yeah. year. They're going up against St. Louis tonight, which has been an absolute beast over the last little while. Um, but that being said, you know, this has happened 
on both sides of the way all year long. And right. regardless of who's on the other side of things for the Winnipeg Jets, it was about showing up and, and, and being a much better team than they were on that road trip where they got absolutely uh, ran over by four of the top teams in the East. Yeah, and you know, I think one real positive takeaway from the Jets is how they were able to focus on trying to shut down a guy like Nathan McKinnon, who had absolutely annihilated them in their previous three games. Nate McKinnon had nine points and 33 shots in the first three games. Like that is that is absolute domination from one of the best players in the game. And what did the Jets do to Nate McKinnon the other day? Well, they smothered him like a blanket. He had two shots, no points. And, you know, that's the kind of defensive commitment and awareness that was lacking on far too many nights this season. But again, it does illustrate that there is some potential with this group. Um, you know, that they, they obviously need some some help, some tweaks, some additions. Um, but, you know, and, and it's always dangerous to put a whole lot of stock in how a team plays once they're eliminated. Uh, but certainly the quick strike offense, like that was something, right, Huss? That, that was a trademark of the Jets for years uh, to quote Dennis Bayak, you know, the Jets go bang, bang. Well, the other day they went bang, bang, bang pretty much. Uh, we, again, we haven't seen that a whole lot, especially over the last few months. But it reminded us that, hey, there's some pretty good goal scorers. This can be an elite offensive team. Uh, but I do like what they did in their own end. You know, they made Connor Hellebuck's night not nearly as difficult as they have so many times this season. So, you know, some good signs for sure. I guess take it with a grain of salt and a bit of caution. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the Jets, you know, these final four home games, no, they mean nothing in the grand scheme of the standings, but I do think that they're important for their fans. And I dare say the just north of 14,000 who were in the building the other day, which was actually a decent little crowd that they had, they've been trending down into the 13 and a halfs. So to get more than 14, um, and then to play as well as they did against a really good team, I think that they probably sent most of their customers home satisfied. And at this stage of the game, Huss, that's um, that's about the best they can do. And so at least for one night, mission accomplished. Yeah, no doubt. And you, <laughs> you mentioned, listen, Adam Lowry pulling the Alexei Zhamnov <laughs> off the post. I mean, Blake Wheeler had some glorious opportunities. But, you know, with that hard work and continuing to get that puck to the net, you know, we saw the ugly ones actually go in to get yeah. things going in that third period. Well, sure. And, I mean, Dave Lowry has has preached that over and over again. And it's it's the way Dave Lowry played the game, and it's the way that we've seen the Jets all too often get burned this year. You know, how many times has the other team scored on the second and third attempt or the, the shot that hits something or a bunch of things. And for the Jets, I mean, look at their first two goals the other night. That's exactly how they scored, um, by getting traffic to the net, by being hard to, to defend. Um, and so these are things that, you know, if you're Dave Lowry, whether it's for these final three games or into next season, you can certainly queue up a whole bunch of video clips from the other night and show them to the team as a reminder of how of how to play the right way and why all those things that I've been preaching, you know, if you're Dave Lowry, see, this is the payoff right here. Hey, uh, what I mean, I want to get to today's practice, what we heard from uh, Neil Pion, Cole Perfetti's yeah. situation in a second. But just quickly, Jansen Harkins, 
Um, Hark, I, I was stunned when I heard Weber mention on Kenny and Rennie that that was Harkin's first assist since December 5th. And listen, I'm not sure this is as much an, uh, an indictment of Hark as as much as it is of the fact that the fourth line has been an insignificant part of this hockey team for a long time. But what do you think? I mean, we've seen Svechnikov play there before. He's available to go up. What do you think was behind Harkins getting that opportunity with Connor and Dubois, uh, a spot where he was back in practice today with the uh, the two main offensive cogs so far this season for the Winnipeg Jets? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Dave Lowry today, we were talking to him about Cole Perfetti, and he had a he had a comment about Cole Perfetti and putting young players in a position to succeed. And he said how, and he used Perfetti as an example of how um, playing on the fourth line, and, and this is what Dave Lowry said, where you only get five or six minutes is not conductive to, to you know, progress. And I thought to myself, but why does the fourth line only play five or six? Like, isn't the idea, and if you look at, at successful teams around the league, they tend to play their fourth line a lot more than five or six minutes. So I don't know why... And that's an issue, and it was an issue with Paul Maurice, and it seems to be continuing to be an issue with Dave Lowry. Is it that they don't like the players they have in the fourth-line roles, and so they don't play them as much? Or is it that the Jets are so top-heavy when it comes to their offensive you know, talent and the guys they pay the big bucks to that they ride their you know, top six maybe harder than other teams would? That being said, for Jensen Harkins, I mean – yeah, opportunity came knocking the other day, and I'm not sure why he was the guy other than, I suppose, you know, he was the next one up, kind of next man up on the rotation. I will say this, Jansen Harkins did get a couple games earlier in the season in that spot, uh, Haas, and I thought Jansen acquitted himself quite well, and then he was kind of out of that spot, really through no fault of his own. So maybe this was Dave Lowry kind of paying him back you know, an IOU, if you will, for some earlier uh, work. But you're right. It's not like Jansen Harkins was lighting it up in a bottom six role. Um, but I saw a player the other day who recognized an opportunity. And, I mean, one thing you can say this about Jansen Harkins, he maybe won't always put up the points, but the guy has a motor that usually is always on full. And, you know, he, he, he's a guy who always looks like he's giving it 100% out there. And so we brought some energy and and made the most of it. And, you know, it looks like he'll he'll get to stay there. Um, you know, we've seen so many guys play with Dubois and Connor this year from Cole Perfetti. You know, Morgan Barron had a look. Even Adam Brooks, don't forget. Adam Brooks played there, I think, his first game with the yeah, Jets. Yeah, that was the first game. We're trying to it catch was. lightning in a bottle. And Adam Brooks is still looking for his first point. He doesn't have a point with the Jets. So, you know, th there's... Um, there's been a lot of guys. Evgeny Svechnikov obviously has has shown that he can play with those two, but I think what we're maybe learning, Huss, as this season goes on, is there's a lot of guys that can probably play with those two because they're such good players. Um, and so you know, Jansen Harkins, he's going to get another look there tomorrow, and good for him uh, for playing an elevated role um, and making the most of it. Uh, we'll get to Pionk in a minute, um, but Cole Perfetti was out there today in a yeah. yellow jersey, and I believe, I mean, we'll have a clip later on, Remus is going to grab it, um, but did speak afterwards. Uh, fill us in on Perfetti's situation, because we were, uh, Remus and I at the beginning of the, uh, the the show were talking about, you know, where he goes from here, because he won't play before the end of the season for the Winnipeg Jets. 
He can't play for the Moose because he was with the Jets and couldn't be sent down to be a part of the clear day roster, which means that he'll have gone a really long time without playing. Um, I would imagine if he was healthy, there could be the potential of playing at the World Championships where he played last year. But then there's also the World Juniors. And I would have never thought that it, the World Juniors was even a possibility for Perfetti. Um, but the fact of the matter is, he's going to have, like, this might be a nice tune-up for him before he goes to a full NHL camp. Um, what do we hear from Cole today, and what do you make of his situation over the course of the next number of months before we get to September? By the way, that was Bodie now making his appearance. So oh, geez. Now, now the whole uh, the whole canine family has been, and it looks like we have the makings of a, perhaps an MMA style fight about to get underway. So, but I have to um, move the camera. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that might be more entertaining than I could be. Um, yeah, good good sign in that Cole Perfetti joined the main group. But I guess the bottom line, Huss, is he's he's kind of ramping up potentially for nothing like there's no there's no immediate payoff or immediate reward we know Cole Perfetti's not going to play these final three games and unfortunately a technicality that as Dave Lowry put it today a rule you know that's supposed to be able to protect players um, from being sent down you know kind of against their will if you will uh, to the minors um, you know a rule that's designed to protect players in the case of Cole Perfetti you could make the argument it's actually hurting the player. Uh, Cole Perfetti made it clear he wishes he could go play with the Moose. He's got a lot of friends there, and I can tell you the Moose wish Cole Perfetti oh. could come could come play for them. And for a uh, for a kid that just needs to play, it it would be a perfect opportunity. But unfortunately, you know the rules are what they are, and so he's going to miss out. Um, I didn't get the sense today that the World Championships are are in the offing for Cole Perfetti. I guess never say never. We haven't obviously seen who's going to go. And I think some of that will depend on maybe what other NHL players turn down invites. I do expect we're going to see Pierre-Luc Dubois for Team Canada. Um, but the World Juniors, you know, Dave Lowry told me when I when we asked about uh, Cole Perfetti, he said that, that that is something that he believes would absolutely be an option. Uh, because as he said, we need Cole Perfetti to play some games. and yeah, you potentially run the risk of what if he goes to the World Juniors and gets hurt, and then it impacts, say, the start of next season. Uh, but Dave Lowry seemed to suggest that that Cole Perfetti just playing meaningful hockey games should be the top priority right now over anything else. And so I do suspect that we may see Cole Perfetti at the World Juniors. He expressed some interest in that as well. Um, so perhaps he doesn't have to wait until training camp in mid-September kind of get going and and that he'll he will be a, a factor but yeah the world championships would be nice I mean just to go rub shoulders obviously with with some more experienced players but uh, I don't get the sense that that's something that's necessarily going to happen Mike McIntyre the Winnipeg Free Press is with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily uh, the other person we heard from today was Neil Pionk and it was quite interesting I know you uh, kind of went through um, <clears throat> what he had to say yeah. on Twitter I mean I Bottom line, is he said that this was an embarrassing season for himself and the team, um, an important summer of self-reflection and to come back with a chip on his shoulder. I mean, you were there. What did you yeah. get out of what Neil Pionk had to say, uh, both about the team and um, a disappointing season for him after two great years coming over from the uh, Rangers? Well, good on Neil Pionk for not sugarcoating it, right? He called a spade a spade, and, you know, he... 
he was pretty blunt and pretty candid in his assessment, uh, starting with himself. And I think, you know, when we look at, at some of the things that have gone wrong for the Jets, I think we would all agree that Neil Pionk's probably taken a bit of a step back from what we expected from him after, you know, a couple real nice seasons. Um, you know, his play at times has suffered. And it was interesting to hear him talk today and Dave Lowry as well about the concussion that he suffered back in December. And you'll recall that he also had that suspension after the Leafs game. And he seemed to suggest that that has had an impact, both the injury and the suspension, perhaps in the way he's played. Maybe we haven't seen the same kind of aggression at times from Neil Pionk. I think lately, though, we're seeing some signs of of that return to his game. And I point to the Colorado game the other night where I thought Neil Pionk had one of his better games in a long time. And, you know, it came after after he kind of got run from behind. And, you know, he still today was sporting the big cut on his nose. It was still kind of leaking. His visor cut him. And, you know, he talked about how that kind of gave him his edge back. Uh, and maybe he hasn't had that at times this year. So, you know, good on Neil Pionk for kind of admitting that he needs to be a lot better. Um, but he also said, I hope all my teammates are looking in the mirror. And, you know, Huss, it continues a bit of a theme that we've heard lately from the likes of Kyle Connor, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Paul Stasny. Um, so the guys are saying the right things. That's good. Uh, I guess, though, at the end of the day, uh, you know, actions will speak louder than words. Let's hope that um, that everybody kind of takes these words to heart and comes back with that proverbial chip on the old shoulder uh, and uses that next season to uh, to maybe improve uh, their lot in life. Yeah, I, you know the the Pionk season's been a, a bit of a a bit, bit of a mystery in some ways. I mean, I didn't think he had a terrible start, and frankly, I mean, I think this entire team had a good start to the season. I mean, they were nine three and three. They were right there with Edmonton battling for the top of the uh, of the West, first place in the division, and we know where yep. things went from there. Um, you know, really dramatically at that point. And a lot of it goes back to that game December 5th against the Maple Leafs, where, of course, Neil Pionk made the hit, got the spended, and then also took that knee from Jason Spezza. Um, how much of that do you think affected him? Or did he touch on that at all, of that, that incident or anything that yeah. he'd been dealing through? Because, I mean, he has been a workhorse. I mean, he's been playing a lot. It just has, a lot of times it seems like he wasn't the same guy that we'd seen for the last two years that earned that long-term contract. No, exactly, Hass. And he did touch on that and, and admitted that that suspension especially, he said it's almost like, not that he was playing scared, but... You know, he said that that gets your attention. You know that that the NHL is kind of watching you. You got to be a lot more careful out there. And so I think what we've seen is a much more hesitant, some might call it restrained, Neil Pionk. And I'm not sure that that that's the best version of Neil Pionk. In fact, I'm I'm certain that it's not the best version of Neil Pionk. And so, you know, I think it's taken some time and combined, obviously, with the injury that he suffered. He just wasn't himself for the last couple months. And again, not to pin it all on Neil Pionk. I mean, he's just one, one cog in the wheel, but he's a guy, as you say, plays big minutes, a big role on this team. And so he said, look, I, I, I've, I've embarrassed myself. Um, and this is not what I expect out of me. This is not what I expect out of my team. Um, I need to be better and I will be better. So 
you know, good on Neil Pionk. And I think we're going to hear some some additional soul searching in the coming days. I know there's three games left, Hus, but the the autopsy, if you will, is uh, is already well underway. And Neil Pionk brought the knives out today in a way. Uh, Mike, we'll... <laughs> I mean, listen, I think we all agree that there will be some sort of move involving one of the veteran defensemen to open up a spot for one of the younger players. I mean, Dylan Sandberg, I thought, was great on Sunday. Yes. Um, you know, not only looking like he belonged, but doing some of the things that we've missed at times. I mean, a ballsy shot block right in front of a heater in front of Connor Hellebuck that can only, only help his position going into next season. Uh, it was the opposite for Logan Stanley. I, I mean... Dude, that that decision that he made to jump when Brendan Dillon, you know, had his man. I mean, it was inconceivable yeah. that, you know, he would decide to do that. And I have to, I, I, I got left thinking afterwards that, I mean, you recall last year, I thought the Logan Stanley not only showed that he was capable of playing in the league, but he was a guy that I think, had, you know, considering how much the Jets had put into him, had a bright future and would be protected. And that's exactly yeah. what happened. Um, you know, and sometimes this happens where guys sort of take a step back in their second year. But considering what is at stake right now, the other guys that are pushing in, I mean, that particular play, I, I, I was watching it here at, at the bar in Vegas going, I mean, that is the last thing that Logan Stanley can afford to do right now with not much else to play for, but to show that where he is at. I mean, what do you make of his game right now, the season overall? And and maybe how he's potentially, despite how much he's played, the opportunity he's been given, that when they do the reflection and look back at this season, as well as the players at the Moose that have been pushing for, um, like how much he's maybe hurt his chances right. to be a regular next year, even if some of the guys ahead of him right now aren't in the mix. Well, significantly, and you're right, Haas. I thought that game the other day, like if you just watched Dylan Sandberg and Logan Stanley and knew nothing about the background and then told that person who had just watched those two that they're essentially battling for one spot. Uh, it, it would be inconceivable that Dylan Sandberg has played less than Logan Stanley. Like one guy looked calm, cool, collected, like he's done this his whole life. The other guy had all kinds of panic in his game. Um, you know, and, and just the reads, like you say, I mean, and it is hard to explain. I mean, one theory that I've heard, and perhaps there is some stock in this, is I do wonder if Logan Stanley has been coached up by Charlie Huddy and others to try and and maybe be a little more aggressive at times, but he's making the wrong decisions. And I don't know how many times lately I've found myself saying out loud or even tweeting during a game, like, where's Logan Stanley going or what's Logan Stanley doing? Because it seems to be a common thing. And it doesn't always result in, in a play that ends up with a puck in the back of the net. The other day it did. That was certainly the most glaring example. But I think if we cut up video from the last few weeks, we could probably find a dozen or so similar plays where you're just not sure what the read is. As someone in the press box said the other day, I think it might have been Scott, Scotty Billick, it's almost like the joystick, the controller got unplugged and, you know, the the player just veered to one direction, kind of a knee-jerk sort of reaction to having the controller go out. Um, because, yeah, there was no reason. Brendan Dillon had the entire right side taken care of. Logan Stanley, you're the left side defenseman. That's your lane. 
Why are you abandoning your lane to go where there already is a teammate and thus leaving JT Comfer wide open to get the pass and score? Like, you know, those are those are things you'd like to think would be out of his game at this point. Yes, he is still a young player, um, but for sure, I think when you look at the increased competition, uh, those are very costly errors that um, are probably knocking Logan Stanley down a notch or two. It looks, by the way, Huss, it looks like Nate Schmidt will return to the lineup. He was back uh, in, a, in a top six pairing today during line rushes. And Logan Stanley, not surprisingly, looked like the odd man out, um, you know, because essentially Dave Lowry, he sees, I think, what the rest of us see, and that is that Dylan Sandberg has been a lot better. Uh, and as a result, he's probably left him in the depth chart. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, we could have we've had this conversation for a couple of weeks now. I mean, with the, you know the season essentially done, uh, I, I was hoping to see both like Sandberg absolutely in, but I yeah. would have assumed that Logan sure. Stanley maybe amongst as any player would have the most to gain from playing some significant minutes, and you know, I think that performance on Sunday night maybe really set him back and even the opportunity to do exactly that. Three games left, um, you know, we know. You know the majority of the veterans will be in, but who has who stands the most to gain, in your opinion, um, from these final three games? Certainly, Dylan Sandberg and Stanley would be at the top of my list. I mean, anyone else up front and forward-wise that you think could um, potentially help their case going into the summer with some strong play in these final three? How about that Kyle Connor kid? He looks like there's some potential there, eh, for that guy. <laughs> um, I I joke, but he's five goals away from fifty. He could have had four, number 46 the other day. Jansen Harkins gave him a great feed, and he shot, you know, pretty much an empty net that he shot wide. How much do you think the focus, Haas, in these last three games will be get Kyle Connor the puck? Like, I suspect there's going to be a notable effort to try and somehow get him five goals, whether that's, you know, all five on a goaltender, or certainly if there's empty net situations, you can bet all eyes will be on trying to get Kyle Connor the puck. You know, it's too bad he lost those three games due to COVID after testing positive in Buffalo the day before the uh, the rule change where he wouldn't have had to test because, you know, if he had six games to get five goals as opposed to three games, um, I, I certainly would like his chances. That being said, we know Kyle Connor can score in bunches. I would not, uh, I would not put it past him. Um, you know, as for though guys unlike Connor who – who aren't established, you know, certainly someone like Morgan Barron again. Um, he's a guy who, you know, uh, if he, if he can have a nice showing, I'm not even sure what his spot is in the lineup here. Huss, it looked like today him and Zach Sanford were kind of rotating on a, on a line. Uh, so does Morgan Barron even stay in the lineup tomorrow or does Zach Sanford come back in for him? I mean, Adam Brooks would be another guy, but I think we've now seen Adam Brooks, you know, he hasn't had a point yet. Sorry, guys. Uh, sorry about that. The dogs are hitting the uh, the computer. <laughs> it is one heck of a fight going on. Um, the, uh, you know, Adam Brooks, that ship may have already sailed here in Winnipeg for Adam Brooks. But uh, certainly the young players, um, you know, and I think for the veterans, you're just looking for them to lead by example, right? And we saw some good signs the other day. Um, and obviously for these last uh, three games, you'll want to still see that effort from the veterans and not just not just them mailing it in, going through the motions. And so certainly the homestand got off to a good start the other day, and uh, we'll see if that can continue.
Well, tomorrow it is the Philadelphia Flyers. Ironically, I mean, if you were putting up a list of the most disappointing teams in the National Hockey League this year, I mean, we focus a lot on Winnipeg. They'd be in the conversation. But the dumpster fire of a season that has happened in Philly is really yeah. something to behold. So it'll be an interesting game. Again, of course, three games left. It'll finish up on Sunday. But, Mike, before we go, we're going to be having Ken Bolke from Simden Vegas coming on in about 10 minutes on the program to get ready for this game tonight between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars. Um, it is incredible the way this has gone. And, I mean, Sunday night after the Jets game, the way the Golden Knights dropped that extra point, giving up the tying goal with .4 seconds left, was quite a spectacle to watch here with a lot of Golden Knights fans watching in the bar. Um, but, man, the Robin Lehner saga continues. I mean, listen, for as aggressive as that team has been trying to do everything to win, um, it is incredible that we're sitting here talking about a team that could be bounced by the Dallas Stars tonight and not even getting an invite to the postseason. The Vegas Golden Knights, they put the fun in dysfunction, don't they, Huss? <laughs> uh, they, are, they are something else. And you're right. I mean, the Evgeny Dadnov situation. I mean, there are so many examples this year of just things that team has done that uh, the rest of the league... Put it this way, there will not be a lot of tears shed by the other 31 teams around the league if the Golden Knights come up short. And I don't know entirely what that's born out of. I suspect part of it, Huss, is that, you know, they enjoyed instant success. Their fan base did. And I think the rest of the league and fans around the league, they just want the Golden Knights to experience a little bit of what every other fan base has gone through, you know, in some cases for decades um, and that they really haven't had their share of adversity or disappointment. That being said, how good did that feel for the Sharks? That was like the Sharks Stanley Cup the other night, because as we know, the Sharks hate the Golden Knights. There's a real rivalry there, and so for them to uh, to potentially you know play a big role in putting the nail in the proverbial coffin, uh, that was quite the turn of events. And yeah. I know what game I'll be watching tonight. That is uh, that is as juicy as it gets in in Vegas uh, uh, between Vegas and Dallas in Dallas tonight. It should be a good one. Well, yeah, busy, busy slate of games in the National Hockey League, and then of course coming up next week it is playoff time. We'll find it out. Mike, thanks so much for the time. You can get back into the octagon and officiate yeah. the battle between. Uh, the uh, the two dogs. Thanks very much for doing this, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up next week and get your thoughts on the first round matchup. It's going to be great. Yeah, right now my dogs are thinking that I'm a lot like NHL officials. I'm not calling anything. I'm missing everything that's <laughs> happening. So uh, I better get the whistle out. Take Good. Care. All right, thanks, pal. And uh, again, we will talk a little more about this Vegas Dallas game tonight coming up in just a sec with Ken Bolke from Sin Bin Vegas. Uh, just before we do that, did do. Picks. We always do golf picks on the lock shop on Tuesday. Uh, Mexico Open, very slight field for our Breezy Bend golf report. John Rom, a heavy, heavy favorite. You can check the lock shop for that, of course. But when we talk golf on Winnipeg Sports Talk, we do it for our friends at Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club. The season allegedly will begin very soon, um, and it's going to be a great year over at Breezy. If you were thinking about a home for you and your family, um, for years for your golfing future with a great junior program, awesome women's programs and women's nights, and amazing men's programs, golf course, clubhouse, and social events. Breezy Bend's the place for you. Give Corey Johnson a call at the golf course to find out more on what is available. 
And, of course, you can find out more online at breezybend.ca. Our friends at Aikens Lake are ready for their busiest summer ever. And as I mentioned last week, still looking for a few university students to uh, spend their summers in paradise working with an incredible group of people over at Aikens Lake. If you you are a university student that's uh, thinking about what you want to do in the summer, uh, whether you have fishing experience for guiding or working, dock hands, laboring, incredible opportunities. Trust me, it is heaven on earth. Find out more at AkinsLake.com, or you can hit Pit Turan up on Twitter at Aikens Lake. We talked Raptors earlier today. My guy Trevor Knott was at the game, game four in Toronto. Game six is happening, and I know he's fired up, but right now a lot of drivers are fired up, maybe looking to get that tank we talked about to take care of the potholes that we're dealing with right now in Winnipeg. If you're thinking about a new vehicle, whether it be electric or traditional, not is the place to go. Why not get into the car of your dreams at an incredible price with the help of the Not team? Pop down and see him at Waverly and McGilvery, or you can check him out online at not.ca. And uh, we mentioned yesterday we were fired up to win the best radio station slash podcast from the Winnipeg Nightlife Awards. Big congratulations. Congrats to our friends at Little Brown Jug, who, not surprisingly, won Winnipeg's favorite local beer. If you haven't tried the 1919 or the rest of the incredible Little Brown Jug offerings, what are you waiting for? Pick it up at your local beer store, try a 19 at fine bars and restaurants throughout the city, or better yet, get on down to the brew house and tap room on William Avenue, where all the magic happens, and pick it up yourself. The uh, Little Brown Jug on William Avenue. Oh, they also do deliver Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. You can check it out online at littlebrownjug.ca. All right. We will get to a few of those comments from Cole Perfetti as well as Neil Pionk before the end of the program. But as we mentioned, I'm here in Vegas. There is a lot of angst amongst the Vegas Golden Knights fan base, especially after what happened on Sunday. And it could be their last stand tonight. And to get ready for the game of the night in the National Hockey League between the Dallas Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights, we welcome in Ken Bolke from Sin Bin Vegas. Ken, what's going on? Great to have you on the program. What's up? Thanks for having me. Well, what's up right now is I'm hanging out at the D Hotel all week. We did the lock shop earlier. They got a great setup here, Bar Canada. A lot of hockey fans kind of flock here, knowing that they can get some Canadian beer and watch the games. And uh, I was here with my jaw on the floor on Sunday night, shortly after arriving, saw the Jets' Avs stuck around for that night's game. And we heard Thomas Hurdle say this, our entire focus is spoiling the party for the Vegas Golden Knights. And the way they did it was... I mean, about as heartbreaking as I can imagine if you're on the Vegas side of things. I mean, what did you make of the uh, collapse there in the final second of the game and the lost single point that puts them on the brink of elimination going into this evening? In many ways, it sums up the Golden Knights season, that it seemed like it was all going to go fine, and then basically out of nowhere, it just didn't. And, uh, it, you know, it's... Dropped coverage, inability to hit empty nets, not any good in the power play in the overtime, not able to score in shootout, not able to clear the puck when it's on your stick with five seconds left in regulation. Like, it's just been a comedy of errors in many ways this season, and it hasn't all been their doing. You know, obviously the injuries have a lot to do with it, but it's been a very rough season, and it's not over yet. They still have a chance, but it's a, it's a tall hill to climb from here. Now, the, the Knights have had you know their fair of adversity, a very share of adversity, as so many teams have had when it comes to injuries and COVID whatnot. However, this Robin Lehner saga, 
especially considering the fact that they literally traded the Vesna Trophy winner in Marc-Andre Fleury, the most popular player arguably in the history of the franchise, to make room for Lehner to be their guy. Uh, there are probably some people watching or listening that weren't really familiar with what had happened last week. Fill us in on these reports that he was done for the season. He was getting surgery. Uh, Logan Thompson's out there with an e-bug before the game against the Sharks, the emergency backup goalie. And then all of a sudden, Laner's there and will back up for the game. What the heck is going on? So if you go all the way back to like somewhere in mid-February or so, well before the deadline, the first report that had come out was basically that it was Frank Saravalli that said that he had a shoulder problem and that, you know, it was needing surgery eventually. And he was going to maybe try and gut it out or maybe he was going to, you know, not do that and take the surgery. Well, he kind of refuted that. Leonard refuted that pretty quickly. Uh, then time went on. He came back. He then went out again. He came back in. It seemed like he was healthy. And then there were these reports on it would have been Saturday, I guess it would have been, or maybe Friday, either Friday or Saturday that, uh, both ESPN and The Athletic reported that he was out for the season, uh, getting season-ending surgery. And then the, that day, DeBoer said, not that I'm aware of. Haven't heard of that myself. I expect him to be on the ice tomorrow for practice and at the game on Sunday. Then he wasn't on the ice the next day at practice, and they put out a statement saying that he's not there, first time in the history of the organization, and I would argue in probably many organizations that they, they announced a quote-unquote maintenance day on an off day skate. I've never seen that before in <laughs> any team. I, I don't know. That's wild. DeBoer would not take questions that day, only saying the statement speaks for itself. And the statement just said, he's not here today. Then the following day. So the day of the game, that was Sunday morning. It was like you said, emergency backup goalie and Logan Thompson on the ice. DeBoer says Leonard's going to back up. I asked the question, is that health-related or performance-related that Leonard is no longer the starter, that he's now the backup? He said it's performance-related. The following day, he has season-ending shoulder surgery, and the team announces it. So it has been an absolute mess. And then today, DeBoer was asked about it uh, in Dallas, and he said something along the lines of, the statement speaks for itself. I'm talking about the guys that are here. Um. You know, you do wonder if they could do it all over again. Maybe they handle things a little differently um, because it is incredible, Ken, you know, with the aggressive moves that they've made, getting Jack Eichel in. I mean, it's been one after another one. The fact that they went from Laner and Fleury, arguably the best tandem of goaltenders in the league, to playing for their playoff lives tonight with a guy that was in the, was basically penciled in to play heavy minutes in the American Hockey League is uh it's stunning, and it, it makes it that much more of a very tenuous situation for a team that is clinging to very faint playoff hope. Yeah, I wonder if they could go back in time where they find the mistake to have been. Was it buying Leonard in the first place from Chicago? Was it inserting him as the starter in the bubble and basically taking the job from Flurry during the pandemic? Was it re-signing Leonard? Was it not moving Flurry last offseason? Was it moving him this offseason? Was it hiring DeBoer in the first place because he's kind of the one that it seems like wanted to push Leonard out. It's like, I don't necessarily know where they would argue that they went wrong. Or honestly, at this point with this team, they don't even admit that they did go wrong. So I don't know. Um, that being said, I mean, Bill Foley, 
uh, had that incredible success. I mean, uh, you know, he's been very successful in many other businesses. The success they had was unprecedented as an expansion team in the first year. Um, he's many things. He's aggressive. He's rich. Patient does not seem to be something that uh, you would describe Bill Foley. If they lose this game tonight and they don't make the playoffs, what is next for the Vegas Golden Knights? I mean, we're here in Winnipeg talking about the most significant offseason in 11 years, but the Winnipeg Jets have been a team that have been really sort of stay the course. They haven't made massive moves. Vegas has, and now they're going to have their greatest disappointment in franchise history if things don't go their way. I mean, what are you expecting this offseason if things end as we expect them with the Vegas Golden Knights on the outside looking in? I think there's multiple ways they can go. I don't think I have a great feel for which one they're going to go down solely because we've never been here before. We've never been anywhere close to here before. So usually you can kind of rely on precedent of they've done this in the past or this, whatever. In this particular instance, there's really no precedent of them missing the playoffs and them having 500 man games lost and, you know, all of what has happened. But I think there's two different ways that would make sense. There's one, which is, doing absolutely nothing, which I think can actually be make sense in some ways in that you can say, look, if we weren't this injured, we're not missing out on the playoffs. We're in the mix and we've got a Stanley Cup contending team. Or you can say, well, there were a lot of warts on this team and you're getting older and you are in a window that is closing awfully quickly. I could see the coach going. I could see the GM going. I could see the president of hockey operations going. I could see any of them or all of them. It, it really could be an explosive offseason or it could be a sleeper. I could see it going either way. Ken, uh, can't have you on without talking about two of the most important players on the Vegas Golden Knights. Fill us in on Jack Eichel's uh half season since returning for uh, for Vegas and certainly a lot of people that um, you don't know Mark Stone well from here in Winnipeg um, you know where is he at right now because listen I we've watched Mark Stone for a long time and um, you know you always know you're going to get full effort from him but it just does not seem like Mark Stone is the same dominant player at both ends that he's been in the past little while and we know he's been dealing with injuries throughout this campaign. I'll start with Eichel. So when he first came in, there was definitely a little bit of an adjustment period getting back on the ice after the next surgery, coming in with a new system, a new team. It wasn't exactly clean right away, but the points were there. The goals were there at different times. The points have been there for a majority of this season. He's kind of been more up and down than we expected. There are some nights where he's out there and he's dominating, and then there are other nights where he kind of just fits in. And like this last game is a great example. He had a 9% goals for percentage in that game or expected goals for. I don't even know how that's possible in a game where the Golden Knights won the goals for expected or expected goals for battle. Like, I don't even know how that's possible, but it happened. You know, he's had some games where he's good, some games that he's not. And so the points haven't been there in the past few games. He didn't get a point against the Sharks. He didn't get a point against the Devils. He didn't get a point against Washington. So, there have been some issues there, but in the end, he's been pretty darn good and he's close to what he should be. And are we really judging the guy this quickly after he comes off the next surgery? As far as Stone, he has not been very good. Since he's come back, he just doesn't look like the Mark Stone that we're used to. 
when the puck's around him, it's all pretty good and well. But getting to the puck, making plays off of the puck like he usually does, being in the positions to make the plays, it just doesn't seem to be there. I would argue there's no doubt that the back is still a huge issue with what's going on with him. He has talked about the wind, his wind being an issue as well. He misses the empty net. I don't know if there's a confidence issue going on and what's there as well. Like it just hasn't been the same guy. And when you plug that guy in and expect him to be Mark Stone and don't get it, it's awfully difficult to continue winning games. And that's what's happening. Yeah. Ken Bolke of Sinbin Vegas getting us ready for this huge game tonight. Vegas uh, facing elimination with a regulation loss to the Dallas Stars tonight. And Dallas can clinch their spot in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Back to Leonard for a second just before we go. Considering the way that this has all gone down and the way that's ended and uh, the bizarre nature of what we've heard from the coach. and um, Is he a Vegas Golden Knight next season? Can they come back with him as the number one guy and put that sort of trust in him that um, that they had in him at the beginning of this season when they got rid of Flurry. So as I mentioned earlier, we don't have precedent on what happens when they get knocked out of the playoffs. We actually do have precedence of what ha- precedent on what happens when there's a picture tweeted out with a sword in the back of one of the players <laughs> and the name of the coach on it. We actually have that. And actually, the crazy thing is that relationship continued after that for an entire season. And the guy with the sword in his back won the Vezina with the guy's name with the sword on his on there behind the bench. So I do think it is possible, but I think the most likely scenario would be one or the other probably has to go, whether that be DeBoer or Leonard. That's a decision that someone's going to have to make, be it Foley, the front office that's currently in place. If they replace the front office and go a different direction, the new front office would have to make that decision. Which one are you better in? Are you better with this coach or are you better with this goalie? It's not going to be an easy decision because, oh, look at that picture. What a, <laughs> what a beaut that is. That's an all-timer. All-time social media moment. Thanks to Alan Walsh, the uh, representative. Yeah. And, Twi- the and actually, uh, Leonard just reactivated his Twitter. He, de- he, he deleted his Twitter a little while back and he just reactivated it today. So maybe we get a new one in the next oh, couple of days. I think I might have to turn notifications on yeah. for uh, the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're on. Let's go. <laughs> great. Uh, Ken, great stuff. Uh, fill people in on where they can find out more about the Vegas Golden Knights and what you got going over at the Sinbin. Now, uh, the website sinbin.vegas, as you could probably tell from all of, you know, I, it says it a few times behind me. Uh, Sinbin Vegas is Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and then we do shows uh, all the time. Yeah, that Twitter space went on for three hours last night. So that was a winner. So, well, hey, you know what, just on the way out, because I mean, I've been here since Sunday night. I sort of was around a number of Vegas Golden Knight fans when it happened on Sunday. I mean, what are you hearing? I mean, most people in other markets will say, ah, the Golden Knights fans are spoiled, man. They've been so good in such a short period of time. That being said, I mean, they've been served. They, the expectations are high. I mean, what are you hearing from Vegas fans right now uh, on the brink of elimination? They're frustrated. There's no doubt about it. Like, and they should be frustrated. This is a cup window that they're in and the cup window is not going to last that long. And I think everybody's pretty well aware that if this team doesn't make the playoffs, they missed out on an opportunity to play 92 million in salary into this playoffs. And they're not going to get to do that next year, or at least it's probably unlikely. So there's definitely a level of frustration. The expectations remain very high. They're going to be expected to win the Stanley cup next season. And if they don't do it, it's just going to get hotter for everybody involved. So it's, are the Golden Knights fans spoiled? Of course the Golden Knights fans are spoiled. However, 
They do not have a cup. They have a cup final, but they do not have a cup. So to sit here and say, like, they shouldn't have these types of expectations. They already got what they deserve. No, I I disagree. Like, until you get that cup, you do not want these first five, six, however long it lasts years of the franchise to end in. We were in a cup window and it didn't happen. Can't have that. Uh, You know, oh, one other thing I have to mention. I mean, of course, being a Winnipeg show. Um, you know, we know there's tons of, you know, the, the Manitoba Mafia down there, both at the front office, the media, on the team. Um, but I have to ask you about Nolan Patrick. I mean, listen, a lot of people's eyes sort of went up and rolled when we saw the number of guys that were put on LTIR to get Mark Stone activated. But Patrick was one of them. And what's unique about Patrick is that how he's had so many injuries and so many concussion problems throughout his uh, throughout his career so far, very young career. Um, what do we know about his status right now? How concerned are they about his future right now as a national hockey leaguer? I wish I had a good answer to that, but they really do not want to talk about it. And I think that that's probably the right decision when you have six guys on LTIR that are saving you from being over the cap. It's going to be not to your benefit to kind of give daily updates on where they're at, because if any of them can come back, they have to activate them and trade somebody to a team that can't make a trade. So it's awfully tricky that they're in. I would have, he's out for the season. I think that's abundantly clear. There's no way he's coming back uh, with the next three games and what it's four days from now. So that's not going to happen. It was a very tumultuous season. Again, he wasn't all that good when he was on the ice. There were injuries multiple different times. There was a concussion. It's, it's a concerning place to be. And I don't know what his future is with the golden Knights because He's going to have to get you know paid yet again. I think he's an RFA this coming summer, and I'm just not sure they're going to have the money to do it. So it wouldn't shock me if he's not a Golden Knight moving forward. Ken, thanks so much for doing this. I know you're going to have a busy, busy night. And uh, win or lose, uh, you'll be talking to Vegas Golden Knights fans about what's to come oh, next. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> thanks yeah. so much for doing this, my friend. Really appreciate it. You got it. it. Thanks for having me. Good stuff. There it is. Ken Bulky from Sin Bin Vegas. Tonight, it's the Knights and the Stars. Dallas can clinch their playoff spot with a win in regulation and eliminate the Golden Knights. All right, we are going to get back to the Jets. We've got the Neil Pionk audio, and we'll also hear a little bit from Cole Perfetti coming up in just a second. Uh, Before we do that, uh, listen, I cannot wait for Blue Bomber season. We are, I believe, less than a month away. I was seeing 27 days like that from uh, getting a little bit of preseason action for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the rest of the Canadian Football League. Great Grey Cup tour continuing. Big events at Princess Auto on the weekend. And Princess Auto ready to support both the Bombers and the Gold Eyes in their new seasons, including the Princess Auto pregame tailgate, which has been such a great part of Bomber games over the last few years. Princess Auto, of course, also the place where you'll find the uh, best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Hit them up at one of two Winnipeg locations or you can shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Uh, hey, huge slate of games tonight in the National Hockey League. And you got to get to a place that has NHL center ice to watch all the games, including that Vegas-Dallas game this evening with the Jets not on the slate. Where better to do that than Boston Pizza? And while you're there, you can enjoy those gourmet pizzas, Boston's Wings, and some ice-cold schooners. And if you're staying home, check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. Now, we made it through a snow blizzard a couple weekends ago. Got more snow and a freaking monsoon on the weekend, but spring is here. That means 
trips to the Nick and Nikki DQ for blizzards. And while you're there, you can try one of the six incredible new stack burgers as well. Nick and Nikki have been with us since day one of Winnipeg Sports Talk. We're always appreciative of that support they showed in us before we even did a single show. And you can support them by popping by the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, or DQ St. Anne's. And you can also... Follow them on Instagram at DQ Manitoba and hit them up on Instagram to get a custom-made cake ready for you to go for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. All right, uh, let's hear. First up, we will get to our cool bet lines, and uh, I've got the lines right here ready to go, old school, on the paper from the book. Um, but we spent a lot of time talking today about both Neil Pionk and Cole Perfetti. Let's hear from both of them. But I think the... The quote that we wanted to hear first was from Neil Pionk, who, as we discussed with Mike McIntyre, spoke about the embarrassing nature of this season and the self-reflection needed by the entire organization, but especially the guys in the room going into the summer. Here's number four. Yeah, disappointing. I mean, underachieving, and I don't know if it was one specific area. It was almost every area. Um, And it starts by looking in the mirror, too. So I look at myself and look at my game as underachieving and disappointing like I just said so um, I think if everyone goes into the summer with that mindset a little self-evaluation looking in the mirror and, and bring a better attitude and and a better mindset to, to training camp next year we'll start off on a better foot we saw a team like Calgary last year that probably was saying a lot of the same things underachieve and then mm-hmm. they didn't blow it up they came back largely intact and look where they are now so do you believe that the Calgary model could maybe apply to the Jets here I believe so because we have we have a heck of a roster we have world-class players um, come in uh, with a different mindset, um, better attitude, and, and like I said, get started off on the right foot because you lose the first three games in the year, it puts you in the hole right away, and then you're kind of chasing the year um, the rest of the time. You lose your confidence right away after the start too. So um, we get off to a good start next year. I think we can go pretty far. When you say different mindset, do you think this team came into it thinking it would be easier than? Um, no, I don't, no, I don't think so. When I say different mindset, um, what I mean is, like, we have to have a chip on our shoulder in a sense because it – I mean, let's be honest, it was kind of embarrassing what we did this year. Like, it's – we had a really good roster and, and totally underachieved. So if, if we come into the training camp next year with essentially a chip on our shoulder um, to not go through what we went through this year, I think uh, we'll be best off. Haven't heard anyone call it embarrassing until now. Well, you guys feel that like way. I said, when I, when I look in the mirror, like, that's – I'm embarrassed. You know, like, I didn't think I played as best as I could all year, so – um, that's where it starts for me. Um, and I think everyone, if everyone goes in the summer and, and does that little self-evaluation and we all come back, it's, it's going to be a lot better. The average fan might hear that and say, well, why didn't that happen halfway through the right. year, right? Or, you know, yeah, of course. Um, there's a lot of things going on during the year that, that makes it hard to wipe the slate clean. Um, but I, th- I think you can do that in the summer and, and kind of mentally reset um, three, four months off and not playing any games and then come back next year and fully recharged. All right, so there's Neil Pionk, the comments that we heard earlier. Let's get Remus back in here. I mean, that was, uh, listen, we've spoke about what Nikolai Ehlers had to say, Paul Stastny, Kyle Connor. Um, that was about as straight shooting as we've heard from any member of the Winnipeg Jets, and there's been quite a bit of that lately. Um, you know, I appreciated the lines of questionings from Freezer and the other guys that were there asking about it, and I also appreciate the frank honesty from Neil Pionk calling it the way it is this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, we haven't really heard that from any player, uh, the no. term embarrassing. And, 
You know, some people in chat said, how can we take this seriously? Well, I took Pierre-Luc Dubois seriously last year when he said he wasn't injured at then and he had to be better, and he was better this year. Josh Morrissey as well. Neil Pionk said, you know, it starts with me. I need to be better. We went over his stats that he's having a down year, and we talked maybe it's injuries. He did admit earlier in this conversation that, you know, he is dealing uh, with something. He had the concussion earlier, but um, as far as pulling a Calgary, I, I mean, that's a tough task. Go from out of the playoffs to first place in the division. I mean, they're they're pulling it off. Although that division not as uh, much of a grinder as the central <laughs> as the central division. But uh, I, I think that's you want to hear that kind of honesty. You don't want to hear the excuses. And uh, I think it's refreshing to hear that from Neil Pionk, who we haven't really heard from. I can't remember the last time uh, hearing him speak uh, speak to the media. But he sounded sounded like a guy uh, who means business, Hassan, who's who's committed to uh, coming back and, you know, having a different path next season. Well, yeah. And I mean, listen, I get the question, like, how can we take it seriously? I mean, I take it seriously because he's damn right. I mean, he absolutely nailed it. I mean, this, I think everyone agrees that, you know, what Neil Pionk said is true. I mean, there was so much potential for this club. They should be a lot better than they were. And I mean, there is somewhat of an embarrassing nation about the uh, nature, about the way the team played at times some of the losses and the lack of life in the club and, and, you know, what was there and what wasn't there. That being said, actions speak louder than words. I mean, I appreciate the honesty and the frankness from some of the players, and now it's, what are you going to do about it? Um, as far as the Calgary mode, I mean, Mike's question of bringing it back, listen, I think, you know, in his situation, you know, he's not going to say, well, you know, if you take out these two guys, uh, we'd be a lot better. I mean, he's not going to say that, but it's pretty clear that there are some things that need to change. They're not just running it back with the same group and expecting completely different results. But I think we'd all agree that if they did, not that that is going to happen, you would still expect a better season that they had this year based on the players that they, uh, you know, that they've got in the lineup. Um, but Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to add, I mean, as far as Calgary goes, you talk about the Jets needing significant changes. Well, Calgary, I mean, a lot of the roster was the same in terms of Goudreau, uh, Kachuk, Lindholm. However, I mean, they got rid of their captain in Mark Giordano, and they signed Blake Coleman. They brought in Toffoli. That was, that was in the season. Uh, and then, you know, they moved uh, Sean Monaghan, who'd been a veteran there, you know, down to the bottom of the, of the lineup. So Calgary definitely made some changes with the roster, you could... Daryl Sutter flexed. Daryl oh, yeah. Sutter went in, he figured out he what can't. he had to do, and then he went in and did it. And, you know, listen, you know, Zadarov came in and played very well. Good Branson, you know, came in. I don't know, he, they were, you know, when we looked at their blue line going into this season, it really didn't seem like a strength, especially compared to the guy that they lost in Giordano in the expansion draft. Uh, but they have it. Although, that is, listen, that would be such a tough sell <laughs> to come back here in Winnipeg. and. Um, you know, as we've seen from more and more reports coming out, we mentioned about Elliot Friedman's uh, 32 thoughts yesterday, which I know people have, have checked out. Um, there is going to be changes with this <clears throat> Winnipeg Jets team. Uh, there has to be. Um, they could be very significant. Um, maybe they won't be as much as a lot of people are hoping for, but I don't think we're going to be talking about this same group for the most part once we, uh, once we drop the puck yeah. on uh, 2022. Okay, well, let's think of the Jets' version of "quote unquote" pulling a Calgary. You know, get rid of a uh, not get like they literally got rid of him. Giordano, they let let him go for free. Your veteran, high priced player. You know, pick who you think that's going to be. Bring in a new, experienced st coach with Stanley Cup pedigree and Daryl Sutter. And I remember laughing that they hired 
Daryl Sutter, and I'm eating my eating my words. And I remember even laughing at the at the Truba trade, saying, "Oh, this isn't a trade." And I think that trade actually has worked out pretty well for for both teams there. And then you know they signed uh, signed a Blake Coleman. They bring in a you know a forward who's also you know won Stanley Cup with Tampa, but can play in your middle middle six and contribute offensively. So I mean, if the Jets take a playbook from there, you know maybe there are a couple moves. Uh, that that you can make, but uh, you know maybe step one would be, you know, bringing in in the coaching staff and changing the mindset of this team and how they play. You know, Craig Button talked about earlier playing in the defensive zone. So, and I don't know which is the bigger issue: is it the giving up the goals or scoring? But uh, both of them have been problems with the team this season. Yeah, no doubt about that. Now, Cole Perfetti was the other member of the Winnipeg Jets. We hadn't heard from him in a long time because he's been injured for so long. He was back on the ice today in a non-contact jersey. He won't play for the remainder of the season, but he did get to the podium, was asked a few questions. Uh, here's Perfetti first up on how he's feeling right now. It's feeling much better now. You know, obviously getting back on the ice is huge for... You know, not only the the progression, but you know, for my mental state, like being eight weeks off the ice or whatever it was, it was pretty hard. It felt like it was, you know, eight months. Um, it, it felt like a long time. Just um, so getting back on the ice, being with the guys now today, being the first day with the team, it was uh, it was a lot of fun just being back out there and you know doing what you love. Um, for the injury, it was just you know an, an older thing that kind of reoccurred while rehabbing my shoulder. That was the original thing, the shoulder going out um, against Seattle there. And then just uh, an older thing that popped up and kind of was worse than we thought. So, uh, yeah. How's your wind? How's your legs? <laughs> yeah, pretty tiring. Um, skating out there today, like trying to get it back. I've been doing as much as I can in the gym, like cardio-wise, but there's nothing like skating, nothing emulates it like that. Uh, so it was, uh, it's been tough. The last couple of days I've been exhausted. Um, the lungs are hurting a little bit, but that was to be expected. Um, it'll take a couple of days and a couple of weeks maybe, and then uh, should be back to normal, but uh, it, it's been tough. All right, so there's Cole Perfetti talking about how he's feeling right now, you know, expanding a little bit on the injury. I think we all realized it was a shoulder injury when he got hit by Jamie Alexiak in that game in Winnipeg against the Seattle Kraken, I believe in mid-January. Um, been a long time since he's been on the ice with his teammates right now, and Terrible time, a terrible time at any point, but especially you know when you're just getting your feet wet, sort of establishing yourself as a guy that can play regular minutes in the National Hockey League. Uh, Perfetti also talked about getting back on the ice and you know what he's kind of ramping up for right now with the season being over at the end of the week. It's uh, I'm in a tough spot when it comes to that. Like obviously, missed the deadline to go to the Moose, which is you know it's tough. Though. They have a great like great team. They're going to go on a, on a long run, so it would have been amazing to go there and. Um, you know, join that team for that run, but obviously that didn't work out, and you know, it's only three games left in this in the season, and you know, I'm not going to be able to make it back in time for that. So it, it's going to be tough, but I think my mind right now is to get as healthy as I can as fast as possible um, for the, for the summer. You know, this is going to be a big summer for me. Um, off the ice, on the ice, I'm going to have to do. You know, it, it's a you know four months where I can um, get stronger, get faster. Do what I need to do to, you know, ensure when I come back next September that I'm in the best shape and, and my health is in the best spot. So there isn't a certain thing that I have my mind on um, yet, but it's kind of just the whole summer in general and just, um, you know, getting better every day. 
All right, so there's a little bit more from Cole Perfetti on what he's ramping up for. And I mean, certainly the hopes that, you know, a year from right now, um, you know, he'll have had a full season in the National Hockey League. He'll have stayed healthy. He'll have been productive. He'll be getting ready for his first taste of NHL playoff action. As he mentioned, disappointed that, you know, due to the rules, unable to play for the Manitoba Moose coming up in the Calder Cup playoffs. He was asked, though, about is there a possibility of playing in the World Juniors as we've been discussing all day? This tournament has been moved to the middle of August right now and could potentially be a, a nice primer for NHL training camp. Here's Cole Perfetti on the potential of playing for Team Canada again in the World Juniors this summer. Yeah, I, I haven't, um, you know, been in talks with anyone about that. Obviously, we know it's in August and um, that the 2002 birth year is still eligible. So um, I, I'm not too sure what's what's going to happen with that. I think, you know, obviously I'm going to have a say, but it's gonna there's going to be a lot from the Jets as an organization, that, you know, what they think is best for me. And um, so I'm going to, you know, be in talk with my agent, be in talk with with uh, with Chevy and all the people, all the staff. So um, I have no doubt that they're going to do what's best for me and what they think is right. And um, if they think going to the tournament's best, then I'll do it. And um, if not, then, you know, I'll be able to a couple extra weeks in the gym and, and getting stronger. So um, either way, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, excited for whatever happens. But, uh, you know, like I said, um, in the past, playing for Team Canada is pretty special. So if that's the case, that'd be awesome. But, you know, if not, uh, we got my mindset on September. All right, so certainly it does sound like the World Juniors is a possibility for Cole Perfetti, but as he mentioned, he'll, uh, he'll be talking to a lot of other people uh, about what is the right decision for him uh, going forward uh, into next season. And uh, one more for Cole Perfetti. Uh, he was asked about you know just what he learned in his rookie season getting a taste of the National Hockey League. Yeah, yeah, like you said, there's never a good time to get injured. Um, and I kind of felt like I was finally getting caught. Not, I mean... It's going to take a long time to get fully comfortable, but it's getting com more comfortable every game. Um, you know, playing with those guys, it was a lot of fun. You know, we started to put up some numbers and find a groove offensively, and um, we were playing well. So it was frustrating, obviously, going out, but um, I kind of just proved to myself that, you know, I can play, you know, with guys of that caliber and can make plays with them. And, um, you know, obviously there's lots to work on, tons of – room for improvement and and that's you know everyone's like that but especially me as a, as a young guy coming up there's playing with those two guys you learn lots and um it's uh just kind of proved to myself that you know it's a lot gonna be a long road ahead but you know i can uh i can stay with those guys and, and play with them and and at that, that caliber of of hockey cool. All right, so there's cole perfetti from earlier today and i will say this you know uh, you sort of been out of sight, out of mind for the better part of the last couple months, and I think it was pretty clear that you probably wasn't returning. Uh, but when you look back, and we will do plenty of looking back and looking ahead on this season, <clears throat> I think the emergence of Perfetti, the way he fit in playing in the top six, some of the plays that he made, as, as he just alluded to, um, certainly have to get Jets fans excited about what he'll be capable of next season and beyond as a member of the Winnipeg Jets. Great stuff for Michael Remus, cutting that stuff during the program to get it for you here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, of course, hey, Friday, we'll be back. We will do a big makeup marble race. Um, our friends at Canadian Club and great sponsors of both the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk. We've got the hoodies. 
the, the master's jacket, if you will, of Winnipeg Sports Talk for winning the marbles. And we'll also do a bonus prize, including some of the new CC ready-to-drink mixed cocktail Canadian Club and ginger ale. You can pick it up right now at local Manitoba liquor marts, at local beer stores as well, in singles and in six-packs. Uh, got a chance to try it on the weekend. It is fantastic. It'll be certainly one of the most popular drinks of the summer. And uh, Canadian Club displays in Manitoba Liquor Marts all summer long, or at least all month long, um, and a free can to try with your purchase of Canadian Club and 1750 MLC uh, CCs on sale all month long at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, let's get Michael Remus back in here. We'll hit the cool bet lines. And uh, as I said to Dusty earlier today on the lock shop, um, you know, normally I would just go in and use the cool bet lines. Well, because of the different laws and sports betting and where we are in Nevada, wasn't able to get the cool bet line. So the lines that I'm going to give you will be a little bit different. We went through them and actually a little bit better on a number of the teams that I sort of like tonight. Uh, but again, get that on the lock shop. Check out the lines and you can make your wagers over a cool bet. And if you haven't played a cool bet before, use the promo code WST for a 100% deposit up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. All right, a huge slate of games in the National Hockey League. Uh, Hurricanes and Rangers. Rangers, a very slight favorite in that one, minus 110. Uh, the Lightning, minus 345 over the Columbus Blue Jackets. Listen, the Lightning have scored 22 goals in their last three games. They seem to be getting the offense going just in time for the playoffs. Uh, I think they're going to be getting a puck line wager from yours truly tonight, right behind me at the sports book when I'm done. Oilers Penguins tonight. Penguins favor there. Uh, Senators home favorite over the Devils. Capitals um, a bigger favorite, minus 180. I'm seeing against the New York Islanders. Uh, the game. I, I can't wait for this Panthers Bruins game. I think the Panthers, well, they certainly are due for a loss. I mean, they just continue winning. What is it, 13 in a row right now? I think it might end tonight. Boston has uh, about an even money. Well, it was, uh, it was plus 106 earlier. I see money coming in on Boston right now. I'm looking at plus 105 and uh, minus 104 on cool bet right now. So, obviously, if you, maybe they were watching the lock shop and we moved the line again. Um, Leafs, massive favorite at home against the Red Wings. Flames, a road favorite against the Nashville Predators. Uh, the the wild. Uh, what's what's the cool bet line on that one? Minus five eighty eight against the Arizona Coyotes, and a puck line of minus two and a half. Absolutely crazy number on that one. Um, and then the game of the night, as we mentioned, the Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars. Uh, what does cool bet have on that one? Reem is or is the Dallas? Okay, so Dallas is a slight favorite. And this is what I was saying before. We're always going to get a better number on the opponent of the Vegas uh, Golden Knights in Vegas. Stars, even money at home. Vegas, a slight favorite here. It's the other way around outside of Vegas over on Cool Bet. Uh, Blues and Avalanche. Avalanche has lost four in a row. Blues plus 150. I don't mind St. Louis in this game, to be honest. Uh, Kraken and Canucks. Canucks minus 200 plus at home. And the final game, two teams getting ready for tee times. The Ducks and the Sharks. Sharks a slight home favorite after their win against the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, oops, tonight, the T-Wolves, six-point dogs in Memphis. And uh, then tomorrow, it'll be the Milwaukee Bucks as 10-point favorites. I think they finish off the Chicago Bulls. Uh, 
Great show tonight, Remo. What uh, what do you have on tap tonight, uh, other than, of course, a, a full slate of games in the National Hockey League, and uh, in particular, seeing whether Vegas can keep their playoff hopes alive or the Dallas Stars can book their ticket as the fifth team in the Central to be part of the playoff dance. Yeah, I'll be watching hockey, as I mentioned earlier in the show. I am in the fantasy finals, so uh, I am looking at some of these uh, goalie matchups. I do Steven Stamkos, might be the hottest player in the league, uh, carried me last week um one interesting thing to watch for tonight carolina has they have had both of their goalies injured they've got a real goalie issue anderson hurt on the weekend and sorry ranta hurt and anderson anderson sorry ranta hurt on the weekend anderson hurt before they are going with in goal the peter kochetkov uh, going up against the rangers probably might explain why the rangers are the favorite there, but yeah, everyone watching this Dallas Golden Knights game. So I'm looking forward to a full slate of hockey. I got to get my uh, DraftKings lineup, and I'm not sure who I'm going to ride with tonight, but Minnesota, uh, hard to step away from them, but it seems like, you know, some of these teams that are more balanced scoring, like Minnesota or St. Louis, I kind of stay away and go lean towards more of the top-heavy teams uh, in terms of goal scoring. Well, no doubt about that. And just a quick look at the standings right now because, um, you know, it has been really tight. And the Rangers are, what, 51 51 wins and 108 points. And the Hurricanes, uh, you know, two, well, two wins ahead of them right now. So they could actually pull to within two points of the Canes with a win tonight. Uh, That being said, it looks like for the most part, we certainly know who's playing in the East. We'll find out. We could find out as earlier tonight who the final eighth team in the playoffs is for the Western Conference. Um, uh, although the Nashville Predators, I guess, have yet to clinch as well at 94 points. Uh, overall, it will be a great night of both hoops action and hockey. I can tell you here at Bar Canada at the D in Vegas, that place will be rocking. The book will be busy as we get closer to about 4 o'clock local time here in Vegas for the games to get started. Um, and then tomorrow, we'll have Murata Tesh on the program, and we will get ready for the Jets game number 80, taking on the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, of course, NFL draft here coming up on Thursday. My guy Andy McNamara is going to meet me down here. I'll hopefully have Andy on live on Thursday. Kind of the last half hour of the program, we'll talk a little NFL and get ready for the draft. And don't forget, Valor FC home opener is on Sunday afternoon as well. Kind of unfortunate that Jet game had to be moved to the same time. Um, but a 6-1 win against Ottawa in Valor's last game. A lot of momentum going into the home opener for Valor FC. We'll see whether maybe we can get Phil DeSantos on the program at some point before Sunday's opener for Valor FC. Um, Listen, that's going to do it for us. Great show today. Again, if you do want to talk a little bit more about the games tonight, Dustin Nielsen and I have a new episode of The Lock Shop up. Just simply go to our Twitter. You can watch uh, watch the feed either on my own or at Nielsen TSN 1260. And uh, do us a favor, follow The Lock Shop at Lock Shop Bets. And, of course, all the Winnipeg Sports Talk social medias online at Sports Talk WPG. And it goes without saying, if you haven't already, hit that red subscribe button. Join us daily, 1 p.m. Central, live here on YouTube, and get the podcast 
on wherever you get your podcast a little later on in and around 3.30 in time for your drive home. Well, another great show here in LV. I'm looking forward to a fun night in the sports book and definitely looking forward to the Jets Flyers tomorrow and another big show here on WST. Big thanks to all of our sponsors, Canadian Club, Cool Bet, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Breezy Bend, Wallace & Wallace, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, Culligan Water, Vita Health. Don't forget, 10% off on Friday for Customer Appreciation Day. Of course, our friends at F Apparel and Wallace & Wallace. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson, live from Vegas. Folks, have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow, 1 p.m. from Sin City, getting ready for Jets, Flyers, and uh, NBA playoffs. NHL playoff picture coming into scene, and uh, Murat Atesh has got the uh, athletic fan poll. Look forward to hearing what Murat's hearing from Winnipeg Jet fans. I think we know what the answers are going to be, but we'll talk about it tomorrow right here on WST. Thanks for being with us, and have a great night. Oh, my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.